out there, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in and all the details of the characters, places, things, and concepts from that galaxy far, far away. My name is Mac, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ross. Hey, Mac. Hi. Great to see you. Great to see you, too. Great to see you. A couple days in a row. We're just back to back to back right now. It's almost like the old days when we were getting used to getting this started. We recorded like five of them in like, what, two weeks? Yeah, it worked out well. And uh, as we're closing in on the one-year anniversary of doing that... That's what this is. This is one year. That's what this is. It doesn't feel like it, does it? No, it does not. It doesn't... Well, it it will be by the time this releases. Yeah. So when you're listening to this, it will have been one year since we started the show. 5,000 listens later, over 20 countries. We appreciate every single one of you who listens Mm -hmm. to the show each week. Uh, or sporadically, whenever you're able to fit us into this crazy world, we really appreciate it. We hope you uh, enjoy some of the stuff we put together for and you those to listen of, to. And those of you who are listening to this late, we're very glad you got back to work. You got your commute yes. to listen to podcasts again. Yes. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird time for the podcasting industry. I also feel that like we got in like a year ago, which feels like we got in before the 2020 surge of everyone starts a podcast. Oh, you know, I never even thought about that, that there was probably a lot of new podcast instagrams created a lot of people's quarantine project was starting a podcast yeah Yeah, um and we used it to uh only miss one episode so all things considered i'm pretty happy with that for one year i feel pretty good about that yeah in one one uh one miss um otherwise we've had one we've had more than one a week we actually are on an average of more than one a week that's true with our special so when you think about and, it that way we didn't yeah. really miss any as yeah, far as I, I, think, I think we can count this as an a plus so we're really excited <laughs> um we're i'm i'm overly excited with how well this has gone uh i'll, I'll be honest i i remember when we, when we were talking about some like ah we'll try it for three months and then if it doesn't work out we'll kill it Ah, we'll try for six months. If it doesn't work out, we'll kill it. Ah, we'll try for a year. If it doesn't work out, we'll kill it. We haven't killed it yet. Have it? No, it still lives. We have not killed the blob yet. We still find a way to do this. And um, it's been exciting. Uh, we launched, yeah, back in se- the 1st of September of 2019. And we yeah, launched with yeah, five yeah. episodes that we had pre-recorded through, like, what, July and August. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, now we're ready for yet another year here in season two because we don't make our seasons the same as the years that we started on because confusing yeah, you know what? i don't know we, we made one. the decision for a reason at one point we did and decisions get made they mm-hmm. don't have to have good reasoning That's beyond right. they just have them uh so we thought it might be fun for our one year anniversary yeah. to just uh be a little more free form a little more open-ended and we're just going to sort of have a topic where the to be honest the subject is us yeah we're going to talk about the things we enjoy in star wars on a more personal level, mm-hmm. we're going to talk a little bit about um, things from all across the universe, from all across all eras of Star Wars, every medium of entertainment, and we don't know what we're going to ask each other about. So no. the answers are going to be about as off the cuff as they can be. Uh, so normally we don't, uh, you know, share like our own personal negative opinions and things. I don't expect this to get negative or anything like that, but this will be about as... Um, as straightforward and real this as it be, gets, I think, right? Yeah, this will be raw. And, and, yeah. I, and I think the other thing about it is, uh, I figure if you've listened to us yak for a year, this might be interesting to you. If you're here because you want topics, nothing we're about to talk about is researched. This is all yeah. just what's in our head because we don't know what we're going to be talking about. That, yeah, so, it's totally, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, so, yeah. 
I guess there's no point in installing anymore. Let's get into it, huh? Let's do it. We are back here in the palatial Star Wars All In Studios. We are going to talk about each other, mm-hmm, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm getting warmed uh, up. It's I'm kind of stretching. A, it's going to be kind of a weird, weird. So we're we're going to play essentially um, uh, some malformed version of Twenty Questions. Uh, <laughs> if you're not familiar with, there's Twenty Questions of the game, which we had confusion on when we were setting this topic up. Neither uh, of us thought we were doing it, but we both thought the other person thought we were, we're doing. It yeah, was an yeah. interesting moment. Uh, so we're actually actually prepared. Okay, so <laughs> back in like the middle of the 20th century, uh, Playboy magazine, which is it does have articles. Uh, one of the things they pioneered was the idea of 20 questions, which is you just ask a person 20 important or interesting or um, inventive questions that get more information about them out on the page. And it's become a very famous interview style. Uh, we're going to basically be doing that to each other. And it's going to be somewhat constrained down to Star Wars topics. Yeah. Um, but we're just going to kind of bounce it back and forth. We'll probably take mm-hmm. an intermission at some point because mm-hmm. that's a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, In a riveting game of best of three rock, paper, scissors, just a moment ago off mic, uh, Mac did win two to one. Yeah, we did. I, I almost forgot what's if scissors beat rock <laughs> or rock beat scissors. But once we came over that... <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Matt got to decide and he has decided he will be asking me the first question. Yeah. So here we go. I'm going to ask you go. if you could steal a prop from Star Wars, <laughs> what prop would you want to own? If I could steal a prop from Star Wars, what prop would I want to own? Now, does this have to be practical? Do I have to have the ability to store it in my current living situation? If you had the DeLorean and you could go back to the sets of Star Wars as they were filming and you could just take something from the set and it would never have to be replaced and you have some place to storage. Maybe you get a free storage locker as part of this where you store the DeLorean and whatever you've just stolen. I have the DeLorean too. Wow, this is a big day for me. Well, you're you're borrowing it. It has to to go back to its owner. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) But like, again... In a fantasy world, if you could just steal something from the yeah. set of Star Wars mm-hmm. that you get to keep forever, what prop would you okay, want to steal? Okay, let me think about this for a second, because... Uh, oh, man. Okay, so it's after they've filmed, though, so I'm not, like, taking it out of history, right? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. We're, we're, we're literally just saying that, like, instead of it going to the prop department or the Lucasfilms archives, the you trash. ended up with uh, it. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I think 
probably one of the staged used versions of Luke's lightsaber from episode six. Okay. Would probably be the first thing my mind goes to. Because what would be the best thing to have from Star Wars? Well, my first thing I thought was a Naboo fighter. But where the heck am what am I gonna do with a Naboo fighter? Like a full size one. Right, right. Like what am I gonna do with it? That was where my mind first went. So then I'm like, okay, something smaller. And what's the best thing in Star Wars? Well, the best thing in Star Wars is lightsaber. What's my favorite lightsaber? So I ended up there. Sure. Now, maybe, just Mm. maybe, I mean, no, it would be the 83 or 82, 81, whenever that was filmed. Yeah. The Return of the Jedi. But then part of me thinks, Mm. do I want Luke's saber, the green saber from the flashback scenes in episode eight? Maybe it's a higher quality. Maybe it'll feel better in the hand. Maybe because it's a better. Made it's, a, prop. it's a newer prop. Yeah, and all it's the same Ooh. saber. It's like I'm still getting the, for the same reasons. You know, that's in the and it's a more. A, I like that movie better than I like Return of the Jedi. You think the prop department just made a new one, or do you think that maybe just they grabbed one from like one of the oh, people that made? Percent, there were probably fifty new ones ready to go. Uh, maybe I don't know. I could see them just grabbing the master replica for how relatively short that scene is, and they could also see like they could go to Lucas Ar- Ar- yeah. to get the original and yeah. say, "Okay, here, borrow this." Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Luke, you've already touched it. It's fine if you touch it again. <laughs> you know, Mark, you, d- they you take it. They could get the original because it was blue. It wouldn't have been the right color when he ignited it. That I hate work. to break it to you. The color comes in post-production. It doesn't actually turn on that color. Uh, okay. So I mean, remember, I, this is the prop, yeah. not the thing from the galaxy yeah, far away you can bring back. I'm kidding around. Um, okay. I, I, I mean, that I think is my answer. But give me a second just to make sure. Search your feelings. Okay. 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 I mean, what else is there that's cooler than a lightsaber? You know, you have like a holocron or whatever, but I can get that on. But two, I don't, I don't need. Yeah, because uh, we have to remember, know. like, like my, my go-to is always like I would want a helmet, but I'm like, no, I don't. I want the, I want the, I want the Avanos like helmets that are finished because yeah. real prop helmets are just empty inside. Yeah. They don't, they're not yeah. as cool as you want yeah, them. Yeah, your to be. Black Series Boba Fett helmet is gonna be way is more better detailed. than the yeah. probably the original prop, other than maybe. I, it would be cool to make it out of metal. It would be cool. Um, okay. I mean, so that is 100% my answer. I mean, there is definitely something to be said for like, oh, Kenny Baker worn R2-D2. Mm-hmm. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, because that could just sit in a corner forever. It would never wear away. It would be just, it would be there. And it would be, frankly, a little bit more unique than a lightsaber handle. Um, but so now we're getting to like Regis Philbin. What's your final answer? <sighs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be the lightsaber, because I could sit here all day and talk about this. This is already going to be a problem, I can tell. It's going to be it's gonna be the lightsaber, uh, for sure, from episode six. I think that's the way to go to have it. Plus, you said going back to the 80s. You said going back to the OT, so it's not really fair of me to go back to, like, 2016. Yeah. Um, so you already, I think were, you already I, lived through that. You don't need to do it again. Yeah, sure, that's true. I, I was there. Um, I lived it. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, there's yeah. No, I'm gonna stop now. Like <laughs> Matt, <laughs> what would you take? What would be your go-to? Um, so of course, I think we all thought our own questions through a little bit because you know we of wrote course. them. Uh, I, again, my first thought was a helmet, but then I rose. I'm like, no, you know the thing I'd want, and much like your question of like, where would I put it? That's not the part of this question. <laughs> um, I I would actually like to own the slave one. Like the original, mm-hmm. the 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 light pole they hacksawed off of their lot and turned into this slave one with all of its wired up for lighting. Yeah, that would be a cool thing to have. That would be any yeah any shit model of course mm-hmm. would be outstanding. Um, maybe like a piece of the Death Star. 
Uh, yeah. You know, like, th- there definitely are lots of amazing options. But, I mean, a lightsaber. It's just so complete, you know, just like having a full hilt. One like, thing that whereas, is, it like, also fits in your house. Like, I have to yeah. go find a new coffee table to put the Slave One. It's not gargantuan, but, I mean, it's still not yeah. small. That's what you do. You would build it into a coffee table, like a glass coffee display coffee table. Oh my gosh! Yes. Now that I think about that, that would actually be perfect. Is so you you basically make it a shadow box. Yeah. With glass top. Yeah. And yeah. no, I'm thinking glass sides too. Thinking That'd be pretty cool. The whole thing. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. With like black ends. Yeah. Like w- like what my mom would display her her china in or something. And then I just put the deluxe Boba Fett helmet in there and like a six inch and it's like this is the Boba Fett table. This is the Boba Fett. table. Don't move it. Don't touch. I, it. I didn't glue just things down in there. That was really bad. dumb of me. No coffee on this. That would be insane. Luckily, yeah. Mac doesn't drink coffee. That's true. Wow, that but was a groundbreaking moment for all of our coffee fans. Oh, as I said, yeah, you I don't endorse I'm, big coffee. I, I don't. Uh, and I would be. I'll be very honest with you. <laughs> I I generally just do not like coffee. Yeah. Not just I don't like it. As in I don't yeah. drink it. Like yeah. I will actively avoid drinking it. Yeah. I'm very British in that way. I drink tea. That's my sure. morning drink. That or, or perhaps a cocoa. So that's sure. There you sure. Go. Who doesn't love a cocoa? Oh man, you know what? It's almost pumpkin spice time. So like, I think it's. You know, I, you know, I was at the grocery last night and I saw pumpkin spice Twinkies. Didn't oh, buy them though. It's it's happening. Um, Falls he, here. Yeah, yeah. Whether I, we're ready or I not. I think my. I think pumpkin spice is at Starbucks. I ha- I haven't bought one, but I think it is. I think according to mutual friend Vito, I believe it started yesterday. Oh, Vito. You might remember Vito from Christmas Spectacular Part 1. Yeah, he'll be uh, back. He'll be back. <laughs> He's excited. We're excited. Uh, okay, so I'm feeling good about okay. this one. Do you feel like we answered it fully? I think we've answered it exhaustively. <laughs> yeah. I also don't drink coffee, but I do love it. Okay. But it messes me up a lot. Wakes uh, you up too much? Uh, yeah, it doesn't help. Um... <laughs> I do ha- also have an electric tea kettle, which is my go-to during the colder months. Oh, okay. Uh, but during the summer, I'm a water or a soda guy. I, I weirdly enough, have a Keurig and have never made coffee in it. We just got rid of our Keurig because we don't use it. Yeah, I use it for apple cider, cocoa, yeah. and tea. I do have... We have a cold brew pot in our fridge of coffee that's kind of always there that my wife sort of drinks. And we have uh, pour-over options. So I do have coffee on hand for guests or if I'm cooking something that I need some coffee for, but... Yeah, otherwise. Yeah. I, Max telling me to wrap it up. But the <laughs> no, thing this is, is amazing. This, this is, this the, is, this is what this episode is all about. <laughs> it's going to be is, like crazy. Uh, just being whatever we want it to be. All right, Mac, are you ready for my <laughs> I'm ready first for your first question. question yes. All right. So this one's a little more schoolyard than yours was. Yours was a little more well thought out, but I want to start with a fun one. Okay. All right. You've got the son. You've got the daughter. You've got the father. You've got Anakin. Okay. Who's gonna win in a fight? Oh, like literally, they just get yeah, in a fight. Literally, four way fight, brawl, cage match. Well, I, to be re- and it's so, a big cage, so they so can turn in their beast forms. So my problem is like, realistically, I go it's Anakin because he sort of inadvertently kills all three of them. Yes, you now, win. Ding ding. ding. I, I was gonna say he killed them through sadness, but like. <laughs> He yeah. became the master yeah. of all three. All but... right, and let me make this easier. Masters of Terrace Kasi style. They're each a playable character. Who are you picking? So I would probably pick the son because his beast mode is the coolest. And as far as we know, yeah, dad might be the all-powerful one who keeps him in balance, but he doesn't have a cool beast form. Yeah, that's true. He really never, we never get to see that, huh? Yeah, it's no. It's a shame. No, and, and the daughter has a nice beast form, but that seems like something like Falcor from like Never Ending <laughs> Story you want to fly with, not necessarily yeah. fight with. That's true, but Falcor's the only one who survives all three movies. 
That's a good way of thinking about it. I think. I don't actually remember. It's been a while. <laughs> there's... And now I'm just remembering, like, I think Because doesn't is the kid three. change actors? Uh, the first two, it's the same. Same Bastion. Yeah. And then the third one's the one where they recast him so they could have Jack Black in the movie. Oh, I remember. Um, yeah. And then... You I know, the third one was it. the only one I owned. So that was the one I've seen the most. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen the first one the most. I've also read that... I recently, like, two years ago, read that book. That book's really cool. Is it? Because it goes... It, the, the page text changes mm-hmm. between green and red. Mm-hmm. And... The the green parts are in Fantasia or in Fantastica in the book. Yeah. And the red is Bastion reading it. Wow. And then you are the reader, which adds like a third meta layer to how that story is told. It's really great. I didn't know that. Very cool. Um, you also gave me The Princess Bride to read, which I have not started yet, but I do plan on it. You should. It's amazing. Uh, also I... working on two metatextual layers. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, very cool. So what would you what would you say? Anakin? You said ding, ding, that's the right I mean, answer. I think so. you're right. I think there... If you're going to, like, try and say there's a right answer, I think if I'm playing it in a fighting game, I'm probably going with the father. Just because... He seems OP. He, he seems he like seems, a boss character. He seems like he's going to have, like, a couple of really good strong attacks. Like, maybe his attack stat is going to drop every time he attacks, but he's going to start out really powerful. Okay. And I, So that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. I, 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 think he, thinking. I think he feels the most powerful, yeah. even though I don't think he actually is. Yeah. I mean, I think at one point he was... Oh, yeah. But then you have kids, you get old, you, that football injury starts acting up when you're playing catch with your son. You know, stuff happens. Yeah, and then your son realizes he'll be able to kill you and take your place one day and escape into the universe. The you practice that daughter, you know, the, the father-daughter dance. You realize you, your your bones don't move the way they used to when you were 20. You know, it's it's rough. Yeah, it is. It is rough. But, uh, well, they figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I got one I think yeah. that's a little speedier as well. Okay, hit me. Best looking alien. And you can define best looking however you want. Okay, this is a tough one. (laughs) Just like I imagine they all will be. Because when you say best look, first you have to say, what is an alien? Right? Is an alien something that does not have... uh, Is is an alien something that is sentient? Like, is a wampa an alien or a creature? Is a tauntaun an alien or a creature? I guess when I say alien in the context of Star Wars, I I am meaning a sapient species. That's what I was thinking as well, but just wanted to clarify. Good good, good call. Good call. Um, Okay. So... Let's just start off by saying the design of whatever Eloasti is. Can never mm. remember the name of that species, but I just that will always be stuck in my head since the Force Awakens. Uh, you I'll... love the look of it. I can I can't remember. That's not my favorite, but I just want to throw that out there. It's just like that always comes to mind when you say alien. Um, sure. Of course, the Akbar design is great. You know who I love, and everyone's gonna think I'm joking, but I love Watto. You do. Uh, you know how much I ironically I know love your Watto. unabashed love of Watto. Yeah. Um, Sebulba is a great design as well, of course, a Doug. Uh, so a Toydarian, a Doug. Because that's really what we're talking about is like design of a species. Yeah, yeah the, what, right? what species of aliens yeah. do you find the best looking, the most like. Again, I don't. Oh, wanna, I don't. Oh, I want to. Oh. I don't want to define best looking. Oh, I, I, that could I'm be sorry. aesthetically. It's done. Could, I already know. It's oh. it's um it's uh it's rip. Uh, what the heck's his name? The shark guy. Oh my god! Yes. Yeah. The, it's, the, it's um, done. I, I, the uh the shark folk. What the hell? Um. What's his, uh, his name? Like Rip Tansom or something, right? Rip. Tan Tansom is it? Because I remember us just both going like Riff Tansom, who is a um. Carcoat. Carcarid, yeah. It's I remember like, this. I remember who yeah, because it's like Great White. Carcaridone. Carcara. Car. Well, I guess it's Carcarodone. Are you also looking it up? Carcarodone. Right, looking it up. Carcarodone. 
Kakaradone, yes. Kakaradone. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, oh, right. so Rift I forgot. Tamsin, yeah. the Kakaradone, is my favorite Star Wars species because it's shark people. It's a shark people. I mean, you have to know that that was going to be my favorite. Um, the Quarren are also awesome. I loved seeing Quarren in live action in Mando. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, cause I don't, as far as I could recall, that was the only recent time we've, like, they weren't in the prequels at all in live action, I don't think, right? The Quarren. Um... Well, it doesn't matter. Mando's where it's sticking out of my I head wanna from. Say, I want to say they are, because I think are they're they? in the Senate scene. Oh, I bet you they are. I bet you they are. Okay, that's a Along good point. Along with the ET, ET, ET characters, which are apparently actually in the Star Wars universe crossover. Um, but it's okay. That was a yeah. long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I like the underwater creatures. The Carcharodons, the Quarren, the Moncala. I think that's where I'm going to lean, but I also feel like i have maybe more of an affinity for creatures over aliens but maybe that's shifting in my later years because i am getting into a lot of these aliens now um also uh what the heck is uh zuvio you know how much Zu- i love zuvio oh yeah. um i can never remember like either the same thing or something as like that. yeah it's um yeah it's a weird species names uh we should know this Okay, folks, secret. We usually do research our topics. <laughs> and we still mess things up. We still do. But, like, we would usually have this stuff more ready at hand, not us desperately searching yeah. quickly on our phones. Cuso. Cuso. That's right. Yeah. Cuso. I know it had a Z in it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, yes, but it, it's the Carcharodons. It's Carcharodons. Rick Tamsin, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. You, you're yeah. pretty big. Do you have one? Do you have a favorite? Uh, mine's really actually kind of looking? boring and simple. Um, I like the um, uh, the Batorians. Or, yeah, Pretoria, Pretorians. They're the, they're the just simply just. I like them because they're just normal humans except they're blue with like gold like tattoos on them. That's it. Oh yes, yes, yes. So yes. what um, yes. Senator Rio Chuchi is, and yes. most importantly, the maker. Uh huh. Papa Nemodia is, is one of one. the best episodes of Clone Wars, and I think it kind oh, of yeah. flies under the radar. Is the one with the the ice battle between the yes, yep. That I with can't remember. It's halls. like the beginning of season four, I think season three or four at the beginning. But that is, it's up there as far as my favorite episodes. Yeah, go. that's and a I, great episode. And I liked it because I I I love the Flash Gordon Buck Rogers space <laughs> opera. So I like the idea of like who's this other species? It's exactly like us, except their skin is a color that we can't imagine human skin being. Like, you know, powder blue is not a skin color you're going to find naturally on Earth. And I like that. I just, I think it's just simple and cool. And they all, usually they have like wispy white or lavender hair. And I just go, that just looks neat. It does look neat. I'm into it. Okay, right on. Uh, Okay, ready for the next one? I know, but let's do it anyway. Okay. Yeah, Uh, I I know. I like we're both going like, I had these in an order. We're not doing that, though. No, random is going to be the order. Yeah, we're picking the uh, ones. What that... is your favorite way to watch the Star Wars films, and do you believe there is a correct way to do it? <laughs> All right, this will be a simple answer. Well, there's seen it in a theater, and then there's the other options I guess you have. <laughs> to be very blunt. Now I that I have blunt. finally seen all of the Star Wars yes. films, it took me, God, what? Till 2015, 2015 to finally was when see we did it together. all of them yeah. in a theater because famously, uh, I think I've mentioned before, like I went opening day to the special edition of Star Wars because I wanted to see Star Wars in the big screen because I had it in 4x3 VHS yep. pre-THX was how I saw them the most. And 
that is something different when you see in the big screen. And then I saw uh, I was sick one day. My parents took me to the doctor and then I was like clean bill of health. I was just tired. And they're like, okay, hey, Return of the Jedi's out. You want to go see that? And I'm going to say no, no, of course not. So I saw that on the big screen. But somehow I missed Empire. And mm-hmm. it took till 2015 when we sat down and watched all seven mm-hmm. in a row uh, is when I finally saw it. And I'm just like, those are giant movies that belong on a giant screen with giant sound in a room full of people who are charged and ready to watch this with you and are reacting and laughing. And yes. I love that to death. If you don't have that option, I think, to be honest, as far as I'm concerned, all of them are the same. I fell in love with Star Wars on the literally worst way you could watch it, uh, especially looking back. You know, pan yeah. and scan, four yeah. by three, blah. And so I'm like, you know what? If you're watching Star Wars for the first time on your phone, I really don't think that's too much different than like a yeah. home theater unless you have a real home theater. Yeah. And to qualify doing folks. doing air quotes around real yeah. home theater folks. Because when I hear people say, oh, I have a home theater. You're like, no, having a surround sound system is not having a home theater. That's a living room in the 21st century. Yeah. If you have a room that's job is to be the place where you watch film mm-hmm. and television, mm-hmm. and that's all it's for, yeah. that to me is a home theater. Yeah. See, it's funny. I keep trying to tell my wife that's how we describe our living room, is it's the room just for watching film and television. Right. But she keeps fighting but she puts keep Well, she puts couches and tables in there for sitting and get, and having people. Yeah. yeah you know what no. people should be hearing in my, uh, in my home theater? Shh. The movie's on. Two recliners. That's it. That oh, mini fridge. That would, machine. It would be great. But I, I really do think that any chance I have the chance to see Star Wars in a meaningful way on the theater screen, I want to see it, especially as theaters are going yes. slowly sleepwalking to yes. death. I'm very excited to one day see a Star Wars in the theater again. Uh, I hope one day to be able to watch the Mando in theaters. Uh, oh. I think that would be amazing. And I think they're they're good at they're they're visually dense enough to justify that too. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. So, what do you say? Uh, I mean, of course, the theater is going to be the the preferred way to watch it. Of course, I mean, I am a big fan of the random, random, uh, randomized watching, as I like to describe it. Of like a, what am I in the mood for tonight? Meaning, I don't sit down and start episode four and go four, five, six. Right. Right. Tonight, I might watch Jedi. Next week, I might watch A New Hope, and it just might be totally random. I might go from Revenge of the Sith to The Last Jedi, and then back to episode one, just for the heck of it. You know, it, there's never any real rhyme or reason to it, mm-hmm. unless I'm sitting down with someone else to watch them for a particular reason, or I'm going in with a plan because I'm trying to, you know, story clock or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so but but generally, yeah, I mean, obviously, theater is going to be the prime way. Um, I did recently acquire a VCR and I did recently watch uh, my THX VHS copy of Empire. Well, no, I did finish it, actually. Um, yeah, the, the the one time I remember we, we watched those for like one of our May 4th get, we get together. And I remember like, yeah, the the uh, the videotape version where IG-8 doesn't exist because yes. it's cut off in the yes. frame. There were, well, you know, my, my THX tapes are widescreen. Oh, okay. Uh, so they do have some, some, some good stuff in there. Uh, or they're stretched. I don't know what magic was no, done to th- make them No, they could be widescreen. But I, I mean, they're... they're Because uh, I know I have the full screen special editions, but I think I have the widescreen. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're a little different, um, but the sound was not good. There was a constant buzzing yeah. in the one surround speaker, and I couldn't get it to stop. 
Uh, so I, you know, I have to mess with it a little bit more. So TBD until I watch Star Wars on VHS again, until I get the VCR. It could just be the tape. I have to go and test other tapes. But uh, that was you. my most recent non... Actually, while I do own them all on Blu-ray, obviously, yeah, and I do own them all on iTunes, I do have been watching them on Disney Plus when I watch them. It's the most convenient way for it's sure. Just, like especially when we go to look something up for an episode, right? We're just like, watching a part. It is way quicker for me to pull it up on Disney Plus than iTunes, sure. where I own them both. Like that doesn't make sense, but it is. Yeah, I, 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 I I'm it's with frustrating. you. Frustrating. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Right. Okay, so um. Let's see. What do I want to give you next? Um, silliest Star Wars moment. The silliest Star Wars moment? Is that like the moment that I hate the most? Uh, Again. <laughs> Sorry. When I say hate, I mean because I'm like, God, this I'm is so I'm starting to dumb. feel that like yeah. these questions, I'm, I think the way I wrote my question is, I wrote them in a way that you interpret what okay. you think the question means. So the silliest moment of all of Star Wars is when a scene is wasted in the final film of the franchise hmm. when Kylo Ren is just talking to Palpatine against a wall of pipes. Oh. That is the silliest, I remember that pointless yeah. scene in all of Star Wars. I think you mentioned that in our review. I think I it still to this day. And it's not. So, I, I think you're right. I see what you're saying. Like it's not so much like it's not like I hate it. I'm just like, why is this? Like it could be in a like. Think about you hate it mostly time. because you're just. What was that? We didn't need that. What's that? Every time an apprentice communicates with their master in Star Wars, mm-hmm. it's done in some epic way. And yes, it is interesting to see Kylo being able to communicate with Palpatine outside of a communication device. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we've already seen it. And we know that it's Palpatine doing it, not Kylo. Like, it, it, to me, that scene is one of two things. Either a complete lack of vision of a way to make it visually interesting, which in the final film of this franchise to me is unacceptable. Uh, it's or what I think it's more likely is, is... It was a pickup scene that's not Adam Driver in the outfit, and they just had to get a scene of someone in a I, Kylo Ren helmet. I, I fully, I think it's a combination of those two. My guess yeah. is that when they were doing test screens and audiences, because I mean, they, they didn't have much time to do that. Yeah. My guess is, hey, we're missing a beat. The yeah. audience isn't following some piece of the plot, because I don't even remember the information that's delivered there, but like there's some chunk missing here. The audience needs this information. So grab someone who looks enough like Adam Driver or Adam Driver, I don't know. And uh, what sets haven't been torn down? That one, put him there, film it, put it in, and yes. this will make the movie work, even though this scene is totally yes. just an expositional yes. thing. Yes. But I agree with you. There, there's there's <laughs> a part really where... I really don't like there, it. There, there, well, yeah. I think the biggest problem was, I think it tells you just how fast they had to move yeah. at the end of that movie. Because yeah. we all agree that it's a pickup shot. There's yeah. no way that it was scripted to be... Kylo Ren deeply looks into pipes as he thinks to himself. Like, that's not what happened. But yeah. I'm like, I don't know why you just didn't go with the classic Star Wars of, like, make a him walk up, to, walk up to a green screen and have the CGI's just put a static space shot of him yeah. standing by a window. Mm-hmm. Like, like Darth Vader did it all through Empire. Yeah. As far as I could tell, the, when he's looking out at Luke through space, that could have been the exact same shot three times. I don't yeah. know because it doesn't matter because it's just him staring off yeah. into the middle distance. So if I'm wrong about this, if there's a reason why this I'd is love a to know. groundbreaking moment in episode nine, I'd love to know um, if there's some cinematic uh, semblance that I'm not seeing, if there is some metaphorical thing to the pipes i'd love to know 
Uh, but otherwise, I'm going to say that's the silliest. Sure. Um, I also think, for me, when I think of silly, there is a scene where every time I watch it, I'm just kind of like, I'm tired of watching this, no matter what. And like, it's not that I don't like it or whatever. It's just kind of like, yep, ready to get to the next part. This is a thing that has to happen to get yep. to the next part. And it's the droid factory scene in episode two. Oh, which I you can know see that. I love episode two. Like, sure. I, but like... There's just something about I saw that speaking of shots that were added to pad the film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, because like it's great. It does. A, there's a lot no, no, that no, no, happens no. in that scene. It's beautiful. But I just I know it's also CGI. I know none of that was there, and it's just that's part of it. And then it's just before the sequel trilogy, Episode Two was the film I had seen the most in theaters. I saw it five times during its wow. original run. Okay, when I was I would have been eleven. So that was like the first time I, I think I've told this before. I was old enough yeah. to go and see a movie on my own. And so, like, something about that scene was always just kind of like, okay, let's get to all the lightsabers that are coming next. And as a little kid, that's how I felt. And as yeah. an adult, that's still how I feel. And so, like, when I see that scene, I'm just kind of like, this is fun. I like it. Like, there's a lot here to like. But it's just, it's the scene in Star Wars that I feel like I've seen enough to last me forever. Gotcha. Okay, well, that makes sense. Because you could probably guess what my scene is, though. The one where I go, this is just silly, kid. What? But- Hey, look, the teddy bear picnic is taking down the most elite stormtroopers in the entire governance of the Empire. The most elite legion and their armor support and their blasters are here. And a bunch of teddy bears with sticks, stones, spears, and a hang glider and some really thick rope win the day. Which I want to say, just like you say, like, I understand it's silly. And in, in many ways, it is referencing the idea of, you know, here's the indigenous people defeating yes. the more superior force. Yes. Thematically, it's what needs to be there. But the longer we go and the more brutal we make Star Wars, like, after, like, Rogue One <laughs> and The Mandalorian, I'm like, do you really tell me a stone's going to do crap against Stormtrooper armor? <laughs> like, it's just I know the word silly. Not bad. Not yes. Bad. Just silly. Silly is 100%. I mean, you hit the nail on the head with silly. And when you think of what the word silly really represents, I think you're right. That is a more silly scene than yeah. what I'm describing uh, in either of my two answers. You're, so I 100% agree with you on that. I was interpreting silly in another way. That's um, fine. That, but I but I think you're right. If I was going to take the silly stamp and stamp it on a part of Star Wars, that part is silly. But at least it has the, you know, nature over Imperial machine motif. And at least it has the metaphorical reasons for being there. Yes. Right. And we're excusing the physical nature of what we believe that world to be. Right. Which we do with lightsabers and the force and all this other stuff. So that to me is why I've always kind of on a personal level, never gone down that path of like, sure, this bothers me in a way. Well, And, and, and I'm again, not saying you do. No, no, I'm I, just I, talking I, and in, I'm in with generalities. You. I think I think it's a similar energy to what you said with episode two. Like, I made the joke about like, you know, padding the film out. I'm like, literally, the droid factory there is because Lucas was looking at the cut of the film before reshoots and saying like, it's missing an action beat. We're too quagmired down in the drama and the sad stuff. We, we need something to punch the audience up a little bit before we move on. And that's where he went back to fun, silent film, cartoonish, you know, being trapped in a factory stuff, which is great. But I can understand why people, once you've seen that action beat the first couple of times, I can understand you're just like, yeah. I know this is just to pad the movie out. It's like, yes, in a good way. Not, yes, not pad as in we need coverage as in, no, the pacing needs that, but it's not there for the drama. It's yes. it's just there for pacing. Yes, totally. 
Uh, okay, great. Is it my turn again? I believe it is. I've asked is. two. You've asked two? I've asked three, which asked is, three. that's where that's, we should that's be. That's where we should be. Okay. There are eight Mandalorian episodes so far. Okay. Five of them are part of multi-part episodes, which means there are basically three one-hour episodes that stand alone. Episode four, five, and six. Off the top of my head, what are they called? Sanctuary, Gunslinger, and Prisoner? The Prisoner. The Prisoner? I think so. Um, so out of those three standalone Mandalorian stories, mm-hmm. which one is your favorite and which one is your least favorite? Well, when we were toying around with this, I, I, I originally we were going to do top five Mando episodes. And then you said, but most of them are connected, so it's hard for me. And I'm like, that makes sense. Um I the top three I ranked are parts of the arcs, um, and ah, so that's it. We can you can tell me after. I want to know that um, too. So it, it ended up being that like out of the standalones, um, Sanctuary is my top. And I interesting. Okay. And the reason I I, I like Sanctuary a lot is the, the three things that are going on in the Mandalorian that like I absolutely adore, kind of independent of them being Star Wars, is they are referencing old Hollywood serials like television before we had television where you had these like 10 to 15 minute, like mini movies mm-hmm. that would be broken into like 16 parts, mm-hmm. like commander Coney versus the radar men from the moon. I love that <laughs> stuff. The Buck Rogers, you know, space opera of like, here's a humanistic story, but these people are moon people or from Mars or Venus or the planet Mongol. Like I like that stuff. And then the last part is uh, a big reference to the visual storytelling of Westerns and samurai film. And I feel that Sanctuary is a beautiful condensant of all of that. Yes. We have farmers that are being raided by, you know, these, you know, more savage, you know, uh, Mongol kind of like, you know, raiders. Um, and it's all dressed up as Star Wars, but you can have that samurai story. You could have that Western where the banditos are coming and raiding this, you know, town of farmers. Like it works in all different kinds of genres. Um I love that it's a contained little tiny story, but it also is giving our chance the Mandalorian to have a little bit of of emotion. It builds his character a little bit of like I could just stay here. That that's yeah. Why don't why don't I give myself that option? And then by the end, he's like, Oh, I remember why I don't give myself that option. Yes. Um, and the last but not least is from a Star Wars perspective. This is what people have in their heads when they think of like the Ewok movies. Of like, you know, the pirate raiders coming with their equipment and and beating up on the more, more you know, innocent people. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when you think of Caravan of Courage, you're thinking that it was this cool. It's not. It's not even no, remotely. No, no ATSTs to be found. But a whole bunch of, like, weequays and stuff with a tattooed up, stolen AT8, ATST uh, all running around with, like, heavy guns yeah. just raiding, <laughs> just knocking over a town yep. is just really fun Star Wars. And it's got the Ponds of Sorgan. Yeah, it does have one of the most beautiful pieces in the entire soundtrack. Which, to me, is my personal favorite uh, piece in all of the Mando. Absolutely love it. It's the track I go to and listen to the most. So does that mean this is your favorite? Okay, so uh, <laughs> first off, I'll just say, in case anyone doesn't know, this is the, the when we say the Ponds of Sorgan, that's the very first song you hear during the intro, 
when it's showing the rain. Yeah, on the it has village. this serene piece where they're, yep. you're seeing that they collect these like kelp the or whatever yeah. from the ponds, yeah. and then it leads up to the more dramatic thing of something's coming, and then the first raid yeah. is also all part of that one same song. Absolutely, and then it goes into the symphonic bits before the Mandalorian theme comes in. It's yep. just like it's perfect. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I mean, it's tough because for it's between that and the prisoner as probably not only my favorite out of these three, but probably my favorite episodes, period. Sure. Um, because I think if you could take, like, the first three or the last two and say this is one episode, yeah, those would rank higher. But as individual pieces, I'm going to take both episode four and six over all of that for the simple fact that they're their own standalone stories. And that's mm-hmm. what I prefer, General. Don't me wrong. I love multi-parters. And in Star Wars, I think that's a great way to tell a TV show story. Yeah. But... In general, I like a complete story with threads that can be picked up later. What what I like about The Mandalorian more than a lot of television right now is it is serialized. And that means that when the episode is over, you can wait a week or two and see the next one. They do all have individual closure per episode. They do. They're not you're you're not meant to you need to binge it, otherwise this show doesn't really work episode per episode. And the fact that it's also only over eight or ten weeks helps versus three years in between right that's why i don't like it with so when i say i want a complete story i really mean more in movies yeah right and when a movie is gonna tell a partial story i want it to be the one a year you know film back to back to back we grew up on episodes we want episodes not chapters of a book which is what a lot of media is becoming yes 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 so anyway um it's tough because prisoner is the one that i feel like Man, that is just such a great, cool episode, and it gives us so much. But I think Sanctum edges it out for two reasons. One, everything that happens at the beginning with, like, you've got a Lothcat, you've got um, (laughs) Kara's introduction, which is great, and then you've got Baby Yoda drinking his bone broth out of the cup. Yeah, All great moments. All great moments. And then you have, like, all the ATST stuff at the end. But I think the reason why I might have to choose Sanctum over the Prisoner... Is because we get it's really the first time we get a good bit about Mando's history, right. about like we talk where he talks about putting on the helmet, not taking it off, and what happens if he does take it off, and you know he basically denies the call for a normal life at the end of the episode, and he also realizes like it's it's him basically realizing okay hiding isn't an option, mm-hmm. right? Then he'll come to find like okay running isn't an option, and the gunslinger right, and then he'll come to find that. Uh, you know, like going back and working and like like trying to get a job isn't the option in the prisoner. And so like he's trying out all these different paths he can take in these standalone episodes. And I find that really interesting in those two because they're used for that. And then the gunslinger, which is the one that for me as a standalone kind of falls the most flat. And I'm with you saying that I, I think love it's it. the, I mean, I've, yeah, it's still great. It's out, just out of eight episodes of the best Star Wars in the universe, in my opinion. Yeah. Yes, this is the lowest one. Yeah. And I think that is simply for the fact that when you watch all eight episodes now, this episode feels like a setup for something bigger and a bigger part of the universe mm-hmm. that we'll come to see later. And I think that's OK. I want that. I think at the time it felt to me personally worse than it actually was, was because it felt like a side quest. You know, it felt, it felt like this thing that never really paid off. And as we got to the end and we got to episode seven and eight and it still never paid off, I was actually more excited because, Oh great. This is setting the scene for something to come later. It reminds me of later Western samurai films in the sense that it's a tragedy because the end, yeah, 
the Mando gets out and he's the only one who does. Yeah. Like, and so Mando doesn't really Amy want. Amy Sudeikis gets out. What was it? But like, Mando didn't want any of the bad things that happen to yeah. happen. He was yeah. like, this is a relatively simple job. Yeah. It's straightforward. We'll do it. Yeah. And because of Callahan's like, dumb (laughs) it really just goes all kinds of sideways and it ends up like a like a coen brothers film where like (laughs) there's lots of dead bodies and no one particularly succeeded you know what i mean and and i think the one thing that i like you said setting up for later is i would love to see it as i think it has a thread of doubt of can mando be a guardian you know because like he took this kid under his wing sort of and failed spectacularly at teaching him anything You know, um, and so I think it's interesting, but I think it's the most, I think, I think the reason the Gensler is at the bottom to me is only because I think it is the most standalone of the standalones. It is. It really, really is. Um, I don't think we really saw exactly all the connective tissue to that, that, that builds the character. It does in a broad sense, but not in a, oh, here's a specific thing about this character I learned because of this episode. Yes. That's exactly what I was thinking. So episode four, you learn about the Mandalorian as a child a little bit. You learn about why he put on the helmet a little bit more. Episode six, you learn a little bit about his past after what he, he was before became the character. Episode five doesn't really give you that in as concrete of the, a way. The primary thing it's trying to teach you is something we already know by episode three, which is the Mando's really competent and good at what he does. Yeah. We already knew that. And that's okay. Him just going on a single mission is a blast. It's fine. It's yeah. just in that moment when you only have an eight episode season, it felt a little bit different than the rest. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I think that's I think we nailed that one into the ground. Okay. Uh feel good about it? I feel great about it. So All right. your fourth, please. My fourth. Let's go with Favorite thing in fandom. So the favorite thing about Star Wars that has nothing to do with Lucasfilm Limited. Your favorite... Nothing to do with Lucasfilm? So I can't say collecting? No, no. I can't say merchandise? No, no. If you want to say collecting, it'd be like like rebelscum.com. Like stuff that is not sanctioned, stuff that is the fans oh, creating fan stuff. Oh, the Living Force podcast is my favorite thing there in Star go. Wars. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Um, if you haven't listened to the Living Force podcast, it is a podcast that, I mean... This isn't as true as it once was, but it is mostly about the world of Star Wars books, uh, uh, both canon and legends. And that is why I like it so much. It is uh, actually the reason why we it was kind of the final reason why uh, we de- I decided to approach Mac with the idea for doing a show was because I was so inspired by what they were doing uh, just because it is the exact kind of content I always wanted that no yeah. one was ever really making. Cool. Uh, there would be shows that would talk about Star Wars content, but you'd have two groups. You'd either have like the old guys who don't like Star Wars books and comics and video games and basically say if it's not a movie, it's not real Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't like those guys. Um, and then you have the people who are like too tied into Legends. And so anything that's coming out in current canon is automatically awful. Not um, awful. Lesser than. Yeah. And... To those people, I say, you watch The Rise of Skywalker. You've seen what a Legends movie is. Can we agree that it's not the best? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I hear what you're saying there. So. Legends uh, was clunky in the way the comic book chronologies and stuff are clunky so, when you really get down to it. Anyway, uh, for me, I think my favorite, like, fan-made thing, my favorite non-official Star Wars thing, right now at least, definitely, and for the last year or so, has been the Living Force podcast. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So if you haven't listened uh, and you're looking for another Star Wars podcast, 
and you like the expanded universe, I'd highly recommend it. Their Patreon is great as well. Um, that's rad. Yeah. I just want to say my favorite one. Yeah. My favorite thing in the entire galaxy of fandom is, uh, I always appreciated them from afar, Yeah, but I almost signed up for and would someday if I had the bandwidth in my life and we ever go outside again. Um, would I love to to say, yeah. hang out more with the the Mando Merc, the costuming yeah. group for Mandalorians. Yeah, because yeah. seeing a block of them at the Mandalorian panel at Celebration made me go, "Those are my people. Those are the ones I belong with. They're the ones who have read all of Boba Fett's nonsense. They're the ones who go, well, this symbol means this on this. Yeah, like they're the ones who are." blowing having their minds explode when like we're like have you been trained in the rising phoenix ah your your crest has presented itself you are the mudhorn like they're the people that <laughs> yeah. are just going they're the klingon cosplayers to star star trek what mando is to star wars i know that but i don't care mandos are cooler than klingons anyway anyway we're also more diverse because yes. it's it's not a species it's a creed <laughs> yes yes um, that was a good one. That was okay. fun. Um, and there's lots of great things. I mean, obviously the 501st. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, my God. I didn't say Rancho Obi-Wan. I might actually have to. I do love the Living Force, but maybe Rancho Obi-Wan because technically, I mean. Well, that's what I mean. Their affiliation with Lucasfilm is. A little more stitched than uh, most. Uh, yeah. He, he was the head of fan relations yeah, forever. that's like a, okay, I'm going to stick with my answer. Because I think, I you're, think, I think yours a little, is a little more grassroots. Yeah. But you're true. like, if you're saying like, you know, adjacent. Yes, yes. I mean, everybody knows. Hey, here's just a quick advertisement. Rancho Obi-Wan is great. They're always looking for donors. For $50 a year, you get like a great patch and a Christmas card. Highly worth it. Um, they have great videos up right now that they've been doing during quarantine. Showing the... Um, so judge it's just it's just it's just the best so go check it out you know nice it's great um okay question number four number four number four um <laughs> out of all the announced star wars projects what are you most excited for um can everything this is everything all right, so the easy answer, the simple answer is Mando season two. Of course, that seems a little too close. Like, but it is, it is the thing I'm I most mean, excited about because yeah. the Mandalorian is my favorite thing in Star Wars at the moment. Um, yeah, you know what? I'll just be honest. I could start telling you other things I'm interested in, but that is so clearly ahead of everything else. There's no real point in me continuing. What What are you excited for? I get for? it. I mean, I get it. This is a tough one for me because this is. Okay, so there's a couple ways to look at this. My first gut instinct is to say The High Republic. Yeah. Because it's close enough that I'm pumped for it. I have not read the preview chapter of Light of the Jedi that was released because I don't typically do that. I want to go in and just fresh and, you know, I don't want to be stonewalled after one chapter. Sure. Um, So that to me is like the thing I'm most excited about from a big picture standpoint in the immediate future, I am also very excited about uh, Thrawn Ascendancy. Yep. Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising, I think, is the all the titles is that the it full- has. <laughs> yes. Um, but anyway, the reason I'm excited about that is because for a long, long time, I thought Star Wars' next big threat in canon should be from outside the universe. Uh, I'm not saying I want the Yuuzhan Vong back, but I'm saying a threat like that. A truly alien like force. where the sequel trilogy should have gone before any information came out about it. And so I was really looking forward to that. So even though Thrawn Ascendancy is set during the Clone Wars era, mm-hmm. it is getting us outside of the known universe in canon again. 
which is something we really, other than Exegol, haven't really explored a whole lot mm-hmm. in current canon. Yeah. So, um, for that reason specifically, not so much a Thrawn story, even though I do love Thrawn, and um, not so much a Clone War story, even though I do love that time frame, I am looking forward to getting outside the known galaxy. So that, in general, might be my favorite thing right now. Um, of course, Mando Season 2, I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm really excited, I think, if I had like one dream project that we don't really know is announced yet, would be more the Rebel sequel. Mm. You know, that's the other thing I'm looking forward to the most. The next full follow-up for that, animated. Yeah, since that really isn't confirmed or whatever, I think I'd have to probably say with uh, the High Republic. Cool beans. Yeah, awesome. Okay. All right. So that Hit leads me to my number five. Number five. Assuming you magically have the ability to <laughs> use it, no training required. Important. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, what vehicle do you wish you could fly, pilot, ride in the Star Wars universe? Hmm. Okay. And am I piloting this here on Earth? You're piloting it wherever it would naturally occur. So if you got like... But it's in our it's in our world. I'm yeah. not in the Star not, Wars universe. Like, for instance, if you pick a TIE fighter, we're generally assuming space. We're not assuming the Moff Gideon special that can land. No, no, no that's okay. It's more... Uh, do I have to, like, explain to the people of Houston, Texas why I have this? Oh, no, 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 no. Do no, I, like, no, this is to... this is Okay. This is more of a self-insert into the Star Wars galaxy. I'm in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, I think that'll be... Yeah, 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 yeah. Then I'm bringing this into the our world. Correct. Okay. Because that, that brings up a lot more yeah, governmental problems like, for well, you. I just want something that I can get around on planet. R- like, right. I want, like, a land speeder. I want something that can substitute for a car. Easily. Yeah, because, like, having an X-Wing and flying to the moon would be fun, like, once, but... Well, maybe more than once. Well, if you have a hyperdrive, you probably never come back to this I dirt feel ball, like but... I would want... If I was doing that, I would want a two-seater, because I'd want to be able to make money. I'd want to take someone with me and be able to charge absorbent amount of money uh, for it. That's smart. I always take your significant yeah. other on your first flight, but that's just me. Well, I mean, I'm not saying my first one, but, like, it's like, you know, whenever someone asks you if you could have a superpower, what would it be? I'm like, something that I could use to make a living off of and help people with. Right. I don't just want like, you know, if I want speed, it's yeah, so I can deliver packages faster. Well, that's the fun about all these questions. And that's why this format yeah. works. It's just, it's kind of like, well, okay. Yeah. But what if, Yeah. but also, but in, then, you, but if you had that, like it's all those what yeah. if that okay. bloom around it. So what vehicle, um, probably something practical, like, a like a shuttle, like, uh, maybe like the luxury shuttle that, uh, BB-8 and DJ steal in, uh, The Last Jedi. That comes preloaded oh. with some gold and whatnot. That's no, that, that's a that's a sweet uh, setup. But then again, what if they're looking for that? Because I'm I say, if it, it. yeah, if it wasn't stolen property, yeah, if it was um, mine outright, um, so that's why better to steal something from like Jetta or something because like no one's gonna come looking for it. You don't think the Jedi are gonna come after? No, it? no, Jetta. You know oh. the thing that got Death Star. Like, oh, sure. <laughs> there's sure, no one sure, to file sure, a claim sure, that sure, it's sure, stolen. Sure. sure, that's right. <laughs> what about um? What about like a U-wing would be good because you could fit multiple people? Just, to be very honest, that would be that one. would be yours. Yeah, that's that's the kind of space Winnebago I think I would mm-hmm. want because like I love the freighters, but that seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Like you'd have to be working a lot to make sure you could pay for that thing. I want to be cool enough to believe I'd be on a speeder bike, but I don't think I am. I don't think you know. I don't think I'm riding with Enfy's Nest. I think I'm. 
I think I could ride a speeder bike like out in the dune sea where I can't hit anything. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's the way to go. I've had some bad luck with mo- small motorized vehicles in my life. So. Yeah, if you're running around like Darth Maul did, just to swoop out there in the middle of nowhere, I think I'd be okay. Yeah, maybe that's the way to go. Maybe Darth Maul's bike seems a little more stable because you can't really fall off the back of it. You can lean back into it a little more. It's got like maybe you know what? I'm gonna go with Darth Maul's bike. Okay. And with that, I want his two little probe droids so I know what's coming up ahead of me so I don't crash. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Um, I mean, don't wrong. If I could have a Naboo fighter, mm, I can be that up there one. cruising through cruising through the skies in my hot yellow pointy ship. I'd be about it. But yeah, I think I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll... Darth Maul speeder bike. Nice. Done. Nice. Yes. All yes. right. <laughs> Do you your have fifth? one? You, well, you said U-Wing. I, I, I would you're, probably you're do the U-Wing. With U-Wing. As, okay. Assuming that I can kind of a little more hard seal that living, that the spa- the loading dock, and turn that into a little bit more of a living space, you know, like like mm-hmm. long-haul truckers have, just mm-hmm. like sort of like a cot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I want something that doubles as a house, but it doesn't have to be a full house. <laughs> it doesn't have to be the Millennium Falcon. Yes. Okay. Uh, you have one force power. It's the only force power you have. Ooh. You're able to use it at least effectively, you know, in in a in a acceptable average way. So you're good at it. You're not amazing. You're not awful. What right. would your force power like? Be? I'm like pad one level at least. With no, above that, you're like average Jedi Knight. Okay. In the you know Republic days. Um. So you're like a. Hmm, who's an average? We don't see a whole lot of those in the franchise. All right. That's going to be, I'm going to add that to my question. Who is the most average? <laughs> um, I would, I, so it's funny. You mentioned earlier, like, you know, what was your favorite superpower? Like the one I always go to that is just the, what is the thing that you wish you were better at? I think is what a lot of those questions get to the heart of. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it would be, um, it would be sense. Mm. The way that Jedi, Jedi don't get full telepathy, but they get yeah. minor, like, minor remote viewing, minor, um, you know, sense emotions, minor, you know, if I could have a bad feeling about things, but have a cosmically reinforced version of that. Cause to me, the, the thing that I always wish I could have is like telepathy, just mm-hmm. the idea of like reading people's thoughts. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly because for me growing up and stuff, social cueing was really, really difficult for me. And so like, I, I've gotten really good at being empathetic and all that kind of stuff. Uh, according to numerous uh, mental health professionals, I'm too good at it. Um, but I go, it's always something that feels lacking. So like if I had a, phys- a supernatural power to be a little more like close my eyes and get a read on different things that had a little more firmament than my own thoughts would be what I would want. I like that. I like that. I think that's smart because it's very practical no one's going to really see you using it. That's true. Yeah. And if you have to use a mind trick to get uh, an extra chocolate milk at lunch, you can make it happen. <laughs> I already paid you the money. He already paid me the money. <laughs> I like it. I like that. Okay, that's a good one. Um, well, I mean, naturally, you want to say force lightning so you can just zap the crap out of anybody who's pissing you off. It's true. But then you got but... a question like, do I have enough force ni- lightning that after I've zapped someone to death that I can zap all the people that are mad about that to death? <laughs> Yeah, it's a good point. It's an escalation it thing. It is an escalation. Cause, cause, and I don't Because it's a real narrow thing from being the emperor of roasting uh-huh. someone with no repercussions mm-hmm. and being Electro and Spider-Man's on your tail trying to stop you. That's a very fair point. 
Now, my mind goes... My mind goes to force healing. Oh, okay. But I feel like I'm already so weak. I heal one person. I'm croaking. Uh, oh, you know, yeah, the I don't full feel life like I transfer. Have the force energy to make it happen. Yeah, you're not talking like mm-hmm. Jedi meditation techniques, mm-hmm. like what Luke's doing in the back to tank to like make himself heal a little fast. You're yeah. you're talking about like like Ray and putting and your life child. force into yes. someone else and yes. curing cancer and yes. stuff. Yes, exactly. Because the ability to heal is obviously very intriguing for many reasons. Sure. Um, and there is something interesting about being able to heal everyone but yourself. It, that in is that cool. Star Wars sense, which is something that doesn't get talked about in episode nine. Yeah, you can just give. You can't. Uh, yeah. Um, force pull is obviously another one because, like, the remote's across the way. I got to grab it. Yeah. It, it, and I can force pull it because I'm average. It seems the most practical. Yeah, it does seem the most practical. Um, Though, admittedly, if you had pull but you don't have push, mm-hmm. all you're going to be thinking of is, man, I wish I'd push. <laughs> What would I need to push on a regular basis? Oh, man, I forgot to close the door. Ah, the fridge is still open. <laughs> like, like you can I your fridge? Can open? I can I pull? No, no. I'm just <laughs> saying. Think about it by the time how lazy yeah. you are that you yeah. never walk towards any object. You yeah. just yank them towards you. That's right. True. Think about how many times you're going to be going like, ah, if I could just nudge something away from me a little bit. But I don't have that power. I can only you're pull right, things towards right. me. Oh it would eventually God. just drive you nuts because. It feels like they should come together, but we have already defined in our series that mm-hmm. those are separate. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe I just need the power to cut myself off from the force and go back to normal. This seems like it's a opening a whole box of problems for me. It, there's a really good show called The Lost Room. It was a miniseries on Sci-Fi Channel, and it was all about these objects that had little tiny powers. Yeah. And like, what I loved about it is all the powers are little and just above mundane enough that you're like... All you would do is what the characters in the show do is become obsessed with getting the other ones. Cause like yeah. if you have a pencil that when you tap it 20 times, it produces a penny. Yes. Maybe after a couple of months of doing tapping it every day to make an average of $365 a day and do that for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. You're making money, but all you're going to be thinking of like, what else can think, what other things are out there that can do? Like, I don't want just this one. Yeah. I want other ones. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with the force powers is you'll get the one. You'll be like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I've seen the movie, so I know there should be other ones. So any day now, the other ones will come, right? But in our scenario, no, they'll never come. You just get one. I just want that pencil. So is that you said one penny every 20 seconds? Every 20 taps of the pencil. So you tap the the pencil on a table like 20 times and a penny falls out of it. And they talk about like a guy who became obsessed with trying to earn money off of it and just how long it actually took and how it was like, you're not doing a whole lot of work, but how the person basically came so obsessed with it, it was his work and it wasn't probably worth it. (laughs) So I would see myself building some sort of like Doc Brown machine to tap the pencil for me. Oh, no, no. See, these are all magical. So a person has to be holding it. Okay. I pay someone half a cent for every... But then you got to make sure that he doesn't realize that your magic penny creating pencil is yours and it's your property. It's a pencil. He could steal it pretty easily. See, you should watch that show. It gets into all the fun of this kind of just, I think just talking about how little of a magic trick you need to be actually insanely out of step with normal humanity of how actually similar everybody is and how just a little tiny dose of magic can fundamentally change how you interact with the world. Very interesting. Now, he has an amazing, the main character has a way more crazy power, which is he has the hotel key, which will fit into any lock. 
any tumbler lock, even ones that don't fit that kind of like, you know, uh, you know, quick set key. Yeah. Turns it and the door will open to the other side of any door in the world. Which is a little more, little more oomph. What is this from? It's called The Lost Room. It was a miniseries on Sci-Fi Channel, I think, in like 2002, 2003. Interesting, okay. It's very good. I wish it would became a series. It never became a series, but a lot of the energy from it became the Sci-Fi Channel Warehouse 13. Like the idea of these artifacts that can do these magical things. Very cool. So. Well, I'm going to use my next force power to get us to take a break. Okay, I think that's reasonable. Yeah, let's. we should do it. Mac. We need to take a break. We need to take a break. You want to give us a break. I want to give you a break. You're excited to give us a break. I'm excited to give you a break. Let's go to intermission. Let's do it. water mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm not, not parched refreshed. anymore mm-hmm. got a little stretch in there mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah i'm feeling good you feeling, feeling good? good i'm feeling good all right let's do it you, you ready writing any of your answers so far no yeah no either. i'm, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sticking by about i forgot half of them but <laughs> but uh yeah no it's one of those I think mornings it has yeah. it has um i'm sure if you were a coffee drinker that wouldn't happen Uh, That's what the the listeners are screaming at you right now. Hey, listen, as I grab this fresh Gatorade that's not caffeinated, I'm at least feeling hydrated, if not awake. Um, (laughs) I have a water and a half of a chocolate chip cookie so far, so that's the world I'm living in right now. So real quick, so the opposite of the question I asked you earlier about aliens. We talked about aliens are the sapient creatures, right? This is kind of the opposite of that. Oh, okay. What Star Wars creature would you like as a pet? I mean, come on, it's a porg. Oh right. my god, why of course. Even, I realize that... we're done. Yeah, we're no, there's I yeah. mean, okay, I could say a million things. Tauntauns smell, so not a Tauntaun. Wampas are too violent. The crystal foxes I don't think would be cuddly enough. I feel like they're too independent. Um and, and plus pointy. I wouldn't want one. They need to be part of their pack. Yeah, if you had a Vulpix, it mm-hmm. it would be pointy. And, yeah. Yeah. But I could have a whole family of porgs. They would live with my cats. My two cat my one cat is a porg already. She would be queen of the porgs. She would rule them. <laughs> and she she looks like a porg. In... I should have just known that was your answer. Yeah. I, I I shouldn't have even answered. I know it was a great question like, because it it's is, porgs but... and you know it. But I yeah. They live on the falcon. The Okay. Earlier I talked about how I didn't like that scene in uh, The Rise of Skywalker with the pipes. The biggest sin of the sequel trilogy in my opinion, mm-hmm. is that the Porgs exit the Falcon in a young reader book between episode eight and nine. Oh, wow. Re- yeah. Yeah. There, there's a there's a book that, uh, for the life of me, I can't even remember the name of it off the top of my head, but you know the the series where it's like they're, they're the black and red? Yeah. You know that? They yeah. did one as part yeah. of the journey of, and it's uh, Rose read... and Ray and Poe's story, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I read the first one that was with... Um... 
Ray Poe and Finn. Yeah, yeah, the before the Awakening. Yeah. yeah, and then there was Cobalt Squadron for the Last Jedi, yep. and this one that I can't remember for you're, you're Rise good. of Skywalker. Um, and anyway, in that, the planet that they're on, the Porgs leave the ship and nest on that planet. Oh, so you leave of the natural cause. It's not like someone had to go get like you know yeah. a butterfly nets or like exterminator no, gas. No, 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 no one exterminated they didn't have to, them. They didn't have to like have a week of fumigation. And hypothetically, there could still be more Porgs around. I'm just saying it's disappointing. That they weren't still on the Falcon and like having have taken it over. Um, but anyway, I mean, yeah, it's Porgs. I mean, is there any other? Am I forgetting anything? What's the Basilisk thing in episode nine? The heck's oh, thing um, the big serpent. Oh, a Vetrix or something like that. Yeah, whatever. I don't want that. It has a really scary. cool name. Too scary. It's too scary. Um, You'd have to come from your life force to heal it before you could be friends. Yeah, I think my wife would maybe go the things in the Rise of Skywalker that are all ears. On Pisana. I can't remember oh, what they're called. Um, I bet she would go for one of those. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's a Porg. I could sit here and ramble, but it's it's Porgs. It's it's Porgs. It's it's Porgs. It's it's always porgs. going to be Porgs. It always has been Porgs. And it always Even before you knew what porgs, porgs were, it was Porgs. <laughs> it, was, it was. If I could cosplay anything, it would be a Porg. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, okay, that scratches one other question I had. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that really? I had, yeah. I had was that. that really? Oh, my God. You can still ask it. Okay. Pretend I didn't say that. We're going to not edit well, we this, know but the pretend I didn't gonna say be, that. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I'll, I, think, I can give a more of an answer than that I, later. And, and and just to state, I, I'd i have a Lothcat because I really like cats. And so a Lothcat's just like a slightly more aggressive, wider-mouthed cat. See, a, an idea of a Lothcat is absolutely great. My thought here... Is that a loth cat being the size that they are now that we've seen them in Mando? Yeah, would be too big for my cats. I think. I think the too, loth cat would be dominant. Well, as someone who's la- sans cat right now, yeah. I could keep the solitary loth cat because that's a cat you want to keep probably by I, that's itself. That's what I'm thinking. I'm worried about the safety. It's and like, it's like the people cats. who get like toygers and stuff like that. Yeah. like the the more the the crossbred yeah. with more wild cats. Yeah. What do they go to like a bobcat? Can I say? I can't probably have Therm scissor punch as a pet. He's a sapient creature. Yeah, okay. That would be slavery. Okay. Oh, you know so what? No. I maybe like him more than the Praetorians. Anyway. <laughs> All right. That was a great question, Mac. Thank you. Porgs are wonderful, aren't they? Indeed. Okay. Um, I'm going to start off. I'm going to give you what I think is an easier one because there's not a lot of ifs, ands, or buts about it. Oh, Okay. Give me at least your top five, because I know there's obviously more than that. Lightsaber colors. Lightsaber colors? Yeah. And this is one because it doesn't matter whose hill that's attached to. It's just from a color spectrum standpoint. Oh, from I know just... you have I okay. know you have strong feelings about this. And so what we're saying is it's not like, oh well well, Darth Maul's lightsaber is this shade of red, Invader's saber is this shade of red. I'm talking about like just from the simple primary nature of it, or you're an art kid, you yeah, can correct. Uh, okay, me so what, from but, like, you know. artistic sense um yeah okay so while i've discussed before like i'm pretty sure my lightsaber color if i'm in universe and all the meaning and all that kind of stuff would be yellow but like yeah i think blue is the primordial color of a lightsaber that's what comes to your mind as like your favorite it stands out it's blue is the color when i think of a lightsaber and i don't have any idea of who's holding it yeah. and i turn it on it's going to be blue that is, makes is sense, how my yes. brain goes so that means that the opposite then becomes red because that's the good guy one when I think of nothing. And then red is every single evil person has a blood red cr- of crystal course, sure. in there. So and then probably from there, I'll go weird and I'll probably go with just the ones we've we've seen in screen. I probably go green and then yellow and then purple. 
Okay. Is that five? That's five. That is five, yes. Um, great. I mean, I love it. I love it. I think that makes all classics. Yeah. All live action colors we've seen. Yeah, because as uh, much as like in, say, like Fallen Order, I love playing around with what a magenta and a cyan and a orange would yes. be. Like, I also go like, it's not so much that those aren't completely valid, because I think if Star Wars was a place... There's a group of Jedi who are figuring out how to change the focusing crystals to get a color that's yes. more unique, yes, right? for sure. Um, that being said, I just feel that there is a reason when you see the Geonosian fight that they're all blue and green. Yeah. And it's because, like, Mace Windows lightsaber, a, a yellow lightsaber, and any other extra color are exceptionally rare. Yeah. Or, or, or this would be fun, or they're rare by that point in history. Because one of the things about it is they show Ilum is like where everyone gets their crystals. And those have nice blue and green. Maybe back in the past. Maybe we even see in the High Republic. Maybe there used to be other mm-hmm. places to get lightsabers. Mm-hmm. And so there used to be more of an abundance of colors. But by the time we get to the prequel trilogies, most people get their crystals from Ilum. And yeah. so it's blue and green. And Mace found that purple one that one time. I'm a big fan of the whole Clone Wars arc of like your crystal calling to you and being meant for you. Yeah. And uh, turning a color randomly based on you. Right? Oh, and right, right, like, right. I like that. I like that like the color is not something you choose. It's something that is chosen for you by the force or whatever. Right. By whatever act of nature. The thing I don't like about that is the way it not contradicts because our character always. So what I'm thinking about is. Anakin always losing his lightsaber. So he's constantly got to get new crystals, right? Right. So what's happening? Is he going back to Ilum every time? Is this only something you have to do on the first one? You know, he always is getting a blue lightsaber, so it's not like his color's changing. This could be half-remembered, but I feel like somewhere in the, the EU, at some point, I read something about him having to do that. Interesting. Of like him having to go like, oh, I gotta go back to Ilum. Like I, I just seem to remember something about that happening because, yeah. And the other thing is like they throw him a lightsaber at the Geonosian fight, which admittedly at the time he needs one. But I also go, let's put it this way. By the time we got to that Clone Wars episode where the cho- crystal chooses us, you and I both love that. And it makes the, this weapon is your life kind yeah. of thing, which is perfect. Yeah. But there's a certain level of, but it's actually Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Here's your wand, and you all, and it's your wand. It's the one that chose you, and it's the one that it will be your best friend in your magical career. You'll never get as good of magic out of anyone else's wand. I mean, you can still totally do it because, for dramatic purposes, we need you to be able to. But yeah. like, yeah. so I feel that Anakin's like not at his best during the Geonosian fight. That's why he gets his hand cut off. If it was his ah. lightsaber, he might have had a shot towards Dooku. You, you know, know what I mean? I do, I do have a little bit of a beef um, here, Hasbro. Uh, I just was finally able to secure the episode two Obi Wan and Anakin at list, uh, and so those arrived recently. Mm-hmm. Episode two Anakin, arm does not come off. Only comes with the one lightsaber. Come on. If in 2003 I could go buy a Zam Wexel who, whose arm pops off with a magnet, you mm-hmm. sure as sin can do it nowadays, Hasbro. Oh, I mean, um, the episode five, Luke's hand doesn't come off in the Black Series line. The only item that basically can come off, the only limb, is the Wampa's limb comes off. Now, they're about to reissue the Wampa, so I wonder if its limb will also still come off. You know off. what it comes down to, Ross? Mm-hmm. 
they're not thinking about the play value. <laughs> the new boxes prove that to be true. Right. So um, what would be your top five lightsabers? <laughs> I know what number one is. I think uh, we all know what number green one Green is. is number one uh-huh. for me. Red is number two because you can't have red without the green. They look great together. Christmas. As they do. Um, I think from like a, if I was going to have a lightsaber, purple would be my, my kind of second, but for this list third. Um, because as much as I love red and as much as I love villains and I love red in the movie, I never have really had a desire to have a red lightsaber myself. See, I've bought a bunch of red lightsabers because in my heart, red's my favorite color and I wish I could have red, but I'm not a bad guy. So I would never have a red lightsaber in universe. See, to me, red is generally one of my least favorite colors until it's Uh. pure, pure. Paired with green. Paired with green. No, you just like it because of its complementary value to green. I do very much so. Um, I like other shades of red a lot more, but the bright red of a lightsaber, Mm -hmm. not my favorite. Um, Yellow I really like, but I want to see more of it. So for that reason, I think I'll put blue above it. Sure. Just for the classic nature of the blue. And of course, I love the way the blue looks. It looks great. Mm -hmm. It's just comparatively, it's not my favorite. Um, white lightsabers, I don't know how much I get behind those. Um, obviously the dark saber's great, uh, but I don't want to see more things oh like the God. dark saber. I'm surprised you didn't you put said, that on no. yours. The reason is because as far I think the same thing. There's only one. There's the yeah. one. There's it's not a color, the it's a one. Thing. Yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah, it yeah, there's not not dark sabers, there's dark saber. It starts with a capital D because it's a proper noun because there's one. Uh, also, you sent me that toy that's coming out in, yeah. in Europe of it, and I'm like, Ugh, there is nothing in this universe. I want more from Star Wars Collection than give me the Black Series, Master Replica, Galaxy's Edge, whichever one makes a prop replica style, beautiful Darksaber. Yeah, you're, you're I here want for it. it. So, I, like, that's a day one for that, you. It that, comes out. That's to me it. like going into my budgeting software and putting a few dollars away a month every, every month just in case they ever decide to release it. So you're it. ready for because it. Because... That's going on my credit card, so I might as well prepare for it for when it does finally exist. I like that strategy. I mean, we've never been closer. Oh, my God. That and Ray's lightsaber. Man. Ah! All right. Sequel, the, the Disney era is a good time for Mac and lightsabers. It is. It is. as and, and to be honest, I have like seven or eight of them. Like, that yeah. is probably the biggest collection-y thing I have yeah. in Star Wars. Yeah. Which is weird to think about. That's funny. I only own two myself. Two nice lightsabers. I, I mean, I'm already, I'm already uh, a friend going to Galaxy Edge. I'm like, yeah. yeah, keep smuggling out those crystals for me. By the time I get there, I'll already have them all. If I li- And then I can just spend all my money on the <laughs> lightsabers. If I lived in Florida and had a season pass to Disney oh World, God, I would own every so lightsaber poor. hilled. I feel like, like, I feel like that would be a thing I would collect. Oh, and, God, like, even yes. possibly abandon my Black Series collection for lightsaber hilts. But the difficulty of getting them up until this point has made me never They've been do precious. Yeah. yeah. And then I have to go, go, like, down to, like, a billiard supply store and yeah. get, like, a pole cue, like, set that you can yeah. put on the wall well, so I can put we lightsabers. We can do that weekend, Mac. That's easy. But, you know. That's an afternoon project. We can make that happen. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, and, and let's just say one other thing about the Galaxy's Edge sabers because... We know about the custom sabers. That's fantastic. I'm so happy that's there. But the replica sabers you can buy at Galaxy's Edge for the price without oh, a yeah. blade and the quality is just like unbelievable. Like, to me, it's cheaper than I would have ever guessed it could be. I I 100% agree with you because when we handled um, our friend Chris's, it was like, yeah, is this as good as like the old master replicas? No. Is it as solid as the Black Series? In some ways not. But... 
it's yours and it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about his custom. His right? custom. Yeah, yes. I, yeah, whereas I'm talking about the 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 like, legend, the yeah, the, the legacy, the legacy savers. Yeah. Um because, like, I mean, if you don't know, those hilts are like 120 bucks. Over. Oh, yeah, I know. And, like, yeah, you got to buy a blade, but you buy one blade and then you're set. And, like, a Black Series Saber is be, 250 but... <laughs> You might be. I, I'd have to. You have to have multiple? I, well, no, I have to have them all have a blade. How can they turn on without a blade? <laughs> oh, see, I would oh, I would never display them. You're with practical. A blade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm well, not. I wouldn't go that far. I have a Star Wars no, room I, upstairs. Do you remember what I said? My display strategy is getting a Pooku yeah. set up. They yeah. would be racked with their blades. They would be racked with their blades. See, I, I would be, uh, it, it, yeah. you, you would have more of the, the like Harry Potter wand. They'd yes. be horizontally yes. stacked onto each other in some sort of shelf or something. Yes, 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 yes. Or like flashlight mounts on the wall. Oh, I can see so that. You could reach out and grab them. Okay. Cool. Question number... Wait, is it your turn? Uh, is it your turn? <laughs> yes, because you just asked about lightsaber yes. You're good. Seven. All right. Seven. So um, we know that, you know, the much maligned prequel trilogy has a lot of issues. Um, what? But, but the thing about it is, I think that we all have talked about is as more content has come out, we've warmed our hearts to all the prequel trilogy stuff because there's so many beautiful things that happen like in Clone Wars that make Anakin such a, a more depth character mm-hmm. when we spend mm-hmm. seven seasons with him yes. as opposed to, you know, to half of two movies. Yes. So what I was going to ask you is if you think, if you think about it, what is something not necessarily already written from you, but out of the prequel trilogy, what do you think is the missing scene? Like what is the, the little moment or passage of filmed content you wish was in the prequel trilogy? I'm going deep. Hmm. Well, a single scene, a single moment. Scene or passage or or imagine, okay, let's just say you can add up to between two and 20 minutes to the movie. Okay. I would have Ahsoka in episode three as a character, I think is what I would do personally. Just because I think that is the most practical answer of like, what would be the best way to do it? Now, I think, hmm. Obviously, that wouldn't happen. Like this would be like a special edition director's cut. Oh no, no, yeah, this isn't. Yeah. This isn't asking what would make yeah. it better films. This is literally yeah. like, what do you wish was filmed as part of? The I prequels? think adding Ahsoka in Episode Three, but sure. you can't explain who that is in a single movie. You know, it would have been bad. So I understand not doing it. I think the way they justified in the Clone Wars is even better after season seven. Yeah. Um, it does also make it a little bit more upsetting when they meet again in Rebels. And, you know, so it, it they've done a great job of She's the most important it. character that's not in the films. Yes. Right? Yes. It's, so they've done a great job of justifying why she isn't around in episode three, obviously. Mm-hmm. They've done a great job of showing how her actions and timeline matches up with it. So for me, that's not my answer anymore, but it does still seem like the best answer. So beyond that, I mean, more at the opera, um, you know, uh, I, I think more Padme stuff in episode three would have been good. Mm. Uh, strengthen the relationship a little bit more still. Um, more surrounding her death. Um, or more around the f- mm. 
the theories of the force. So like, what is the prophecy for Anakin? Like I would have liked some resolution mm. there or not necessarily resolution, but more information, whether that came from going on in episode one or right. wrote in episode three. Again, th- and I think that's the heart yeah. of what I was sort of asking is like, what would you like to dwell on or yeah. get on screen that didn't get it? You know, yeah. stuff like that. So you, yeah. yeah. So like, again, sort of a little more of the council sitting around discussing the nature of the force and, yes. Oh, you mean the one about the prophecy about the chosen one? Let, let's discuss. Remember when master blah, blah, blah brought up that, yeah. that yes. And we've debated for a thousand years. If there is a, tr- you know, some yes. of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? I think anything that strengthens Anakin's story would be the way I would go. Hmm. Um, because I think Anakin's story is great in the prequels and I am definitely not on the side of saying, oh, you don't need episode one or, you know, Anakin's story in episode two yeah, is stupid. Like, I'm not on that in that camp at all. So just anything to strengthen his story more than it already is would be my answer. I think it's valid if you have an extremely tilted to the OT view because it episode one's not important to Luke's story. It's not. It's very important to Anakin's story, in my opinion. Well, it's important to Luke's story in that it's how the Empire starts. No, no. What I'm saying is I I think most of the people that that are the drop episode one folks are thinking that the the climax of the series is Luke, I am your father. Like the people who make the machete cut are the people who, again, say that that is the fulcrum that, you know, that everything should turn on. And I go, I don't necessarily agree. I think when the prequels came out, it recontextualized what this entire story is about. It's really, really tough. Yeah. Okay. I don't even want. And to I think it's valid. No, but the yeah. last part is, I think it's valid to go that direction yeah. if you think it. I just we're not well, in that camp. Yes. Make Star Wars as Star Wars grows and continues to grow. I think the only way it will work is if you make it what you want it to be for yourself. So if you don't want to, it's just what it always is. If you didn't care about playing Shadows of the Empire, it wasn't part of your Star Wars story. No. And that's okay. And that's a valid way to have Star Wars fandom. Yes. And we need to get back to that. Not every single thing Star Wars releases is going to be for you, and that's okay. And that's always Agreed. been the case, but for some reason now we think that's not. Agreed. So, anyway. All right. I'll, I'll just wrap this up by saying I think the one thing I would do mm, is please. you can't, because of where the, like, as far as, from a filmmaking standpoint, this would make it a worse film. But I would have loved to have dwelled on the last, like, four minutes of episode three longer. And what I mean by that is I would have loved to see the decommissioning of all of the, like, you know, you see these ships being, like, scrapped mm-hmm. as the new Star Destroyers are flying past them. Mm-hmm. You see the V-Wing come out as the Arc the 130s are being retired. You see giant red and black Imperial banners being thrown over iconic places we've seen in Star Wars, like Theed Palace. Like, just yeah. having this, quote-unquote, Nazi banners drop, right? Yeah. Like, I would have loved to see that because the most capture of my imagination in Episode three. It like was like I want to see a billion mores of that is when you see the dark gray venerator star destroyers and flanked by V wings yeah. and then you see the Emperor Vader and Tarkin all looking at the skeletal start yes, uh, yes, uh, yes, of yes. that I'm just like that happens later. That cannot be like Vader gets in the suit. Then we go check out the ultimate weapon we've been building for years. I'm like, no, that happens. He's, you know, Tarkin's in the Imperial uniform. That's like two, three, four, five years after our movie's actually ending. And I just want to see a little more fill in kind of like we saw in the special edition, the celebration scene of Return of the Jedi, where we see the empire falling across the galaxy. I wanted to see the empire rising across the galaxy. I love it. I mean, that would be, that would be great. Yeah, I'm here for it. I I want that. Maybe right. someday. Keeping it in the prequels, question number seven. Oh, sure. 
Was Ahsoka right to leave the Jedi Order at the end of season five of the Clone Wars? Was um, that the right call? All right. So uh, from a destiny point, yes, the Force needed her to not be there because um, she eventually needed to meet this kid as a bridger, and then she needed to die and then undie because of time travels funny that way. Way that so she could like from a storytelling perspective, yes. If you know the whole story, as the cosmic force should, you know, you know where this pawn needs to be on the chessboard at certain points in history. So, yes, for her own perspective, I think it's insanely bold and almost unbelievable that she really thinks that's an option for her. And the reason is, and maybe this is me sticking way too much to EU, but it's not really EU because it's on film and in visual dictionaries. In the Jedi Library with Jocasta Nu, there are heads that are at the ends of various library um, things. And it talks about the Lost 21. Mm -hmm. Dooku is the 21st Jedi to walk away from the life. Total. In a thousand generations, they lost 20. So for me, like, it's almost unbelievable. Like, from a storytelling perspective, of course, yeah, you can always leave. You can quit your job. Mm -hmm. Like... But this is a girl who has been raised in this order from birth. Yeah. Has heard the tales of like the Lost 21 and has probably just been raised in a universe where like monks, you don't leave being a monk. Yeah. It's it's a life. Yeah. It's not a job. It's it's a way of life. It's who you are. And to think of yourself outside of the frame of what am I going to do afterwards? There isn't any afterwards. This is your life cradle to grave. And so there's a part of me that always when she left, I'm like... Okay, from narrative's perspective, this is what has to happen. Otherwise, she gets killed in Order 66, and the whole then her story is really very over. And at that moment, you never would have thought she would end up back in Order 66. No, no. Right? And it's and Chef Kiss, because yes, they sell they that they really well. Really but really to be honest, the only reason she can get away from that is because she walked away before. Like she right. knows she knows the right time to, to like Yoda had to learn the hard way of I need to leave. I need to yeah. remove myself from the equation right now because I cannot fix this yeah. right now. I have to wait for another day. Um, so then, would she have rejoined? If if the Clone Wars had ended and the Republic would have triumphed and Grievous and Sidious and Dooku would have been defeated. And we're back to, from a from a standpoint where where Anakin never falls, yeah, she she would. Because it would get rid of the order would clean house and get back to what it was originally supposed to do. Peacekeepers of justice and stuff. But I also go, but would she think she could come back because she's the lost 22nd? Well, the big question is, right, they hint at it very heavily in those last couple Clone Wars episodes when she's talking to Mace, right? She says something to the effect of, no, I'm not a Jedi, not yet, or something like that, right? I didn't go back and look at it again. but. Right. Uh, I mean, so hypothetically leaving the door open as a possibility, you know, not knowing what we know as the audience. So I, I think that's just an interesting, we'll never know, sure. but I think we can say for sure she walks the Jedi path after that day. Uh, I think she walks whatever well, Ray's path technically is. technically after the Ahsoka novel. Well, what I think is, you know I, mean. I believe she's walking the path of Ray. I am inspired by the Jedi. Are you one? I'm not worthy of that title. Why? Because I've decided I'm not yeah. worthy of that title. I have the lightsabers. I follow the code. I, I'm trying to do... Every, I'm a Jedi in every name but the word itself. Yeah. A nomad. Yeah. Okay, cool. That was fun. Thanks. That's good. That's good. Hit me with yours. Number eight. Uh, Number eight. We're going to go with what is your least favorite place in the galaxy? 
out of all the locations that we've explored in Star Wars, which is your least favorite? Man, I hate to rag on it, but how do you have the finale of the Skywalker saga and everything's gray? It's a very gray place. The evil IRS building on Exegol is just like... <laughs> evil IRS building on Exegol. I, I just not bad. I see what you're saying. Like, I, I just... I, <laughs> I understand it's the epitome of no light. It is the heart of darkness. But, like, do these people truly just live in darkness? Like, 10 million observers up there, like, just get there without any lights on. Or did they just turn the lights down before Ray came? Like, it's just, not only is it, like, the Death Star. Like, think about the finale of Episode 6. Yeah. And while it is still mostly black, the red and green of the lightsabers, the blue of the lightning, the backdrop of the stars. Sure. You've got all of that to add color. In here, you have gray. And then sometimes you'll get these blue-white sticks that illuminate that give you a tiny bit more gray for a few seconds. Some white in the gray. Yeah. And then you have all of this white blue force lightning. Yeah, my yeah, when I f- illuminating all the gray. Especially when we watch it the second time and it's that dark. It's, my my first thought was like, "Oh, so this is an ad for HDR TVs." It's better on TV. So like I I you know, I might have said this before. I famously have not upgraded my TV, famously. Uh you used it <laughs> earlier so I wanted to use it too. I have not upgraded my TV because I still have a plasma TV and I really like it. Yes. And I'm also waiting until it dies because I really like my plasma TV. Very. But on home theater, you can actually see a lot more than in the theater. Which I, A, thinks is a forgetting what your actual market is. Yeah. Because I'm like, just release it at home video. Yeah. Like like these guys are doing now. Trolls World Tour is fine on TV. That's why they released it on TV. They're, they're not going to wait around for a film because it yeah. doesn't have to be in theaters. But the second thing is, I've got a very weird quirk to my eye. I don't know what it is. I have loathed every HDR movie I've watched. I have a 4K that's a Sony HDR rated TV, and I always turn HDR off because I feel HDR is a crutch. It is basically like, we want to film it really, really dark and not light it well so it's clear and easy to read the image. Like, the entire, that last episode of Game of Thrones, famously, I heard everyone talk about, is like, it's so black, you can't see what's going on. I'm like, if you have an HDR TV, you can. I'm like, yeah, well, A... You sort of can. It's still too dark. You didn't light it properly. Film school tells me you didn't light it properly. Um, And so Exegol is one of these things of like, it is so dark, you can't read any detail. uh And I shouldn't need a new technology to see the detail because the detail I can't see without a new technology is detail you shouldn't have put in the frame. Yeah. If the majority of people can't see it or it's so subtle in the black of darks that it's not important enough to see. Yeah. Yeah. Also, at least you have some red in the, the how do they call them? Elite Sith Troopers? Is that what they are? We Palpatine's f- Royal Sith Troopers? I don't know. The ones that are there for a second and then Ray beats them. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 they're the Imperial Guards. Yeah. They're the Emperor's personal guard. Yeah. Um, but the Knights think, of Ren are all black. And... I think the one strange tick they didn't take that I feel weird is like if that entire place was torchlit mm-hmm. and you got the warm reds, which are very mm-hmm. Sith. Yeah. Then you could have had the black, white, and the red mm-hmm. basically everywhere. And heck, you know what? Make them fantasy torches. They're like almost lightsaber red. They're not the orangey yellow we think of fire. Not purple. Yeah. Well, I would get away from cool colors because I think the other problem is it's almost monochrome because you see black, white, and what and light blue cyan. Yeah. That's the only color in the end of that movie. Yeah. 
Um, and, and the I lights like and it. and the lasers are wrong. We I talked about that before. Yeah. So basically, I don't like it. Um, okay, I can see. I that. don't like how dark it is. I think it is a lackluster visual finale. Fair. Um, Fair. So that for that reason, I think specifically, um, I wouldn't want to be on Hoth. That's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's my answer. Basically, like from a like, I'd rather. I feel like it'd be easier to survive on Tatooine than Hoth, because at least Hoth, at least Tatooine has civilization. Hoth doesn't. Yeah, yeah. mine is is more built out of yeah. Like if I was in universe, which planet would I want to be least left on? And it, yeah. it to me, it's it's a little more off the beaten path because it's not on film, but uh, Raxus Prime, the the junk planet, the the planet that we only see in like full tilt canon mm-hmm. is that's the planet we find Darth Maul on yeah. when he's in spider legs. Oh, and I'd crazy. rather be there than Hoth. Cause there I'd have a better chance of finding a way to escape. Ah, there's caves on Hoth. I'd be fine. I, I like the cold until that Wampa comes out and mauls you. Well, that's assuming that every cave's a Wampa cave. I don't think they're all Wampa caves. Nothing there is to keep them in check. You know what? You know what? The, here's no the thing though, Wampa at season. least if I had a shot at killing a Wampa, I could eat on Raxus prime. There's nothing. It's yeah, literally that, the refuse. That, you're going to eat that snake thing that Darth Maul's friends with. I'd still say that the only way Darth Maul lives on that planet is sustaining himself through cheer, fear, hatred. The dark side just allowing him to continue to survive because yeah. he's so mad. Yeah, he doesn't need to eat. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't even, he may not even have a stomach anymore. We don't know what fell out when he got cut in half. What was the question? Least favorite planet of the galaxy. Yes, 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 yes. So but, Exegol, Raxus yes. Prime. Mugen. As far as, yes, yes. As far as, yeah. Those, for those reasons, those are our answers. Great. Beautiful. Uh, question number eight. Yes. What's your favorite Yoda teaching? Like, what's your favorite Yoda moment? Oh God! Bit of so, wisdom. Uh, it's Last Jedi now. Um, How could it not? Because be? my life dedication is is teaching. That's what I do. That's what I yep. enjoy. That's my calling, if you will. Um, the 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 whole line about you know that is the burden of every master. We yep. are what they grow beyond. Yep. Is such an inspiring and bittersweet thought, mm-hmm. and is like everything I think about as being a teacher, a a hopefully future father, uh, a, a person who helps shape other people's lives. Yes. Like that is such a beautiful and wonderful thing that, like, if you're a teacher, you get like excited by that concept of like, yes, they're yeah. going to be even better than what I am. They're going to know more than I know. That's amazing. But I think if you're not a teacher, you're kind of like, oh, that's quaint. Like you don't understand for some people that is it's like the purpose of your life it also plays a big part in storytelling right so mm-hmm. saying that you know okay here we are i am yoda i am the most powerful jedi of yeah. all time when you came to find me you thought i was going to be this great giant powerful warrior for generations jedi looked up to me as the be all end all and here you are luke and you've grown beyond me Yes. And now you've got to learn that same lesson mm-hmm. that I learned probably over and over again. You know, Yoda right. was the wisest. And as powerful as he was throughout history, I'm sure there were other Jedi who rivaled him in sheer power. And sure. we know Mace Windu was a better swordsman. Right. Right. So it's not that Yoda was so powerful. It's he was wise. And that's what made him powerful. And Luke showing well, that wisdom and returning to the force is that I think same Yoda moment. It's, it's, it's yes. It's, yeah. it's everything that encompasses that. You're absolutely right. How could there be anything better? 
I love that. So that's yours as well? I mean, yes. Yeah. It is mine. And, and it's one of those funny things when you hear them all side by side. It's like, it's hard to pick just one. I mean, like, do or do not, there is no try. is an actually really great way to live your life. Yep. Um, Truly wonderful the mind of a child is. I think that's a silly one, but I love it so much. Um, um, and it's a great prequel one. Probably my number two is, you know, uh, Luminous Beings Are We, Not yeah. This Crude Matter. That, like, that's up there. That might be my number that, two. That, I mean, yeah. I, I have a very spiritual side of me. I do yeah. not believe the organic. Uh, yeah. I I can't describe exactly what I am, but I know I am not yeah. a completely uh, atheistic person. Believe there's nothing but just biology here. You know what's an interesting one for me is I've never mm. really felt that I can connect directly with do or do not. There is no try. I don't oh. know how I feel about that one on a philosophical level. Well, at a philosoph- because while you ultimately like. You're the always idea is that, trying. It's it's only when you give up that you do or do not, right? Like the, the point of the matter is in your own mind. Yeah. Either you're fully committed to something, yeah, or you've already given your excuse to not tr- to fail. That's how sure. I've always read it. As. And I can understand and that to me makes a lot of sense. Let's put but it this to way. Me, that's not try like trying means you're still like you can fail and continue to keep trying oh no no, no. is what failure I, failure is an excellent teacher yeah failure <laughs> the best teacher it is um no what i mean by the do or do not is in your mind you need to be i can do this it's not try try is well i'll try and if i don't well you know i couldn't make it like sure. no 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 you need to believe deep down inside with every fiber of your being that whatever you're trying to accomplish, you can do it. Mm. Even if it's a long, hard road with many trips and falls and all that kind of stuff, your brain can't give you the, well, I'll try. I'll try is already excusing yourself to not have to succeed, to not go through the lumps, to go through the hard, hard road. I feel like when he's trying, it's like, I'm going to try and lift this X-wing. He's like, no, you'll never lift that X-wing if you're going to just try you're going to lift that x-wing if you say if it takes me two years or a thousand i will stand on this rock and i will make that x-wing fly that's the amount of commitment and belief you have to have to push that okay and if you're already again if you've already if you're like all right i'm gonna go and fight these terrorists oh there's the exit i'm gonna make a good mark of where the exit is before i fight these terrorists i'm like well you're not gonna really fight the terrorists with all your heart if you already know where you can leave and get away from them right Yeah, yeah i think that's what it means to me, anyway. Okay, I well, just interpreted I love it. that. I love it. I mean, I appreciate the insight. Um, I still think, even with all that clarification, is you're not, still not a, yeah. No, no, it's just not near the top for me. Oh, that's uh, all. Agreed. It is great. It's just not one of my favorites. That's and, maybe number three for me. Yeah, it's 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 not for me, but it's up there. Um, okay, well, thank you. Your ninth question, please, sir. All right, let's get a little little get a little a little, little dark. A little do- oh no. Um, what do you think? Is when you take the entirety of the entire story, all of it, EU, mm. canon, movies, books, TV show, what do you feel is in your heart the darkest pit, the darkest moment in all of Star Wars? The thing that is just, this is the rock bottom, it can't get worse than this, like heart sank moment of Star Wars for you. It can't. When you say it can't get worse, what I mean is is darkest, and I mean that in the thematic yes, material. Like, okay. what was the moment that when you not like you were affected of like I don't want this to happen. World of Star Wars, 
Right. Yeah. Okay. No. 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 Yeah. Okay. No, I'm not okay. talking about okay. like okay. the schism after Last Jedi. That's the yeah. darkest moment okay. of Star Wars. But <laughs> okay, that's where. Okay, I just wanted to clarify that. No. Well, in, I mean, in the, Anakin, in the narrative, Anakin killing a bunch of younglings is pretty freaking dark. Yeah. Um. Okay. So Anakin killing a bunch of kids is pretty dark. Right. I get the most emotionally upset at the end of episode eight every time. Mm. So when Luke and Leia are having their conversation about Kylo is unsavable and Luke is teaching her the lesson of, no, he's not unsavable. He's just not savable by me. Mm. And, you know, Luke is having that moment where he's still instru- not only instructing his sister, but giving her hope. Leia's at this point where she's lost her hope or the closest she's ever come to losing her hope. Mm-hmm. And Luke is here to say, no, no, no. You gave me hope to come back. You're the one who inspired me, and now I'm doing the same for you. And so that moment, and then what leads to you know Luke's death, um, is definitely the most, I think, emotionally charged moment for me in Star Wars. Kind of there that whole go. final scene. Uh, every, you know, everything that takes place from the time Luke shows up on Crate to the time he disappears into the Force. Um, but not the darkest. The darkest is probably Ben killing his father. Maybe I think that might be the like darkest. I said, it's, it's about what affects um, you. So it, it yeah. could be, you could be saying like the, the emotional drain you were feeling yes. from crate was maybe especially the first time I was seeing it because like just to go back to episode eight like that movie I remember when it ended I specifically turned to you and said is that the best Star Wars movie I've ever seen or the worst Star Wars movie I've ever seen? Yes, you and did. And it's so funny because looking back on it now, you know how we feel about. It. I mean, right. we both we're, love we're it. both we're both very high yeah. on episode eight, but it's so funny that. There was that point where I could have been on the other side have been like, that was terrible. But then literally an hour of thinking about it, like it was really even before we left the theater. It was so jarring. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that caused the schism was it was very different from Star Wars that came yeah. before. And either you said, I'm excited about how it's different or yeah. I'm offended by what's different. But at is the same the time, fundamental it's place not we start that all that. different from Empire. It follows a lot of the same beats. It's Listen, I, yeah. I, we... we we don't need I to know. go down that road. We have it. we've battered it enough. Again, yeah. I appreciate people who are on the other side of the yeah. schism, but I get yeah. that what you are looking at of Star Wars yeah. is you wanted you wanted episode yeah. seven. And I have come we've talked about this before. Yeah. I've come to almost resent episode seven as like my least favorite Star Wars, not because it's fundamentally a bad movie to watch. It's a great popcorn movie, yeah. but because it is so boldly adverse to taking risks to me it's what i think of when i think of bad fan fiction in the sense of i took all the ingredients that you love and i put them in a remix and i ended up not saying pretty much anything new because all the threads that are oh wow that's exciting let's see how that pays off so few of them ever get meaningfully paid off in the next two movies that in the end like I, i just feel that I wish fans didn't have this problem of just because something new comes out and paves over the popular idea of what is X, Y, Z to you mm-hmm. does not mean that someone came into your house and stole all your dark horse, horse comics, <laughs> took your Kenner figures and burned them. Like yeah. no one is stealing the past from you. Yeah, that's right. If you love the original trilogy and the second you saw episode one and realized that, Oh, I have to accept the new paradigm of this is what a whole generation of kids are going to think is star Wars. And they're wrong because star Wars was this to me. And you think at some level you're justified in 
hating episode one because people are going to have a different experience than Star Wars than you had growing up. You need to get really adjusted to age because everything in your life is your point of view and your point of view is wholly unique and stop selling yourself short that there's some way that like if you're a parent, you can have your kids have Star Wars mean the same thing it does to you. It can't. Their favorite character is going to be Captain Rex. Get used to it. That's not bad. They still love something that you love. They just love parts of it different than you do. And that's not just okay. That's the natural way of things. That's what it should. That's a healthy fan base and environment and i understand that could be frightening to someone's opinions but like i look at the marvel films i like the marvel films a lot Mm -hmm. i grew up on marvel comics half those characters are not the interpretation of when i think of those characters they're that because they had to update them like tony stark in my world still has a secret identity and iron man is his employee of stark tech that is not how an entire generation or probably the future of the character is ever going to be. And I was mad from the first movie where he's like, just gave up his identity. I'm like, well, he's going to have to put it back. And now we just don't have secret identities. It's just not a part of superhero culture now. And there's a part of me gets really mad about that, but I'm like, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Those those episodes of yeah. the 1992 or whatever is 94, like Iron Man show was like, no, it wasn't me. It was my my employee, Iron Man, head of security. He's the one who saved the day. I, Tony Stark, was not there. <laughs> Wink and a nod. Like, yeah. that's part of that character to me. And they didn't come and steal that out of my mind. They didn't steal that from me. When I was 12, Iron Man meant X to me, and he still yep. did. Yep. Um. And I think that's the fundamental issue with all of that strife is it's a bunch of folks who are afraid that growing up means that what you like about something has to die. Yeah. Kylo Ren was not wrong, was wrong. You can't kill the past. (laughs) The the past will haunt you forever. Yes, it will. It's impossible to actually get rid of it. Yes, it will. So, uh, so to sort of tie a bow on your question. Yeah. Uh, basically, yes. I mean, Going through everything that happens in The Last Jedi with Leia and Holdo and, um, you know, Rose and, and and everything that happens, the emotions are already high. Yeah. And then every time Luke pulls himself back up onto that rock and he looks out in the sunset and fades away, that is a moment where every single time, no matter where I'm watching it, who I'm watching it with, I'm going to tear up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to feel something from it. And... I don't think there's any other moment in Star Wars. There are moments that have affected me like that, but so far none that still feel that powerful after that many viewings. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if in five or ten years, you know, this answer is still the same. Hey, huh. in exactly one year when we come back for part two of our uh, <laughs> annual spectacular, yeah. and we do this again, we'll see if I still feel the same. But uh, yeah, as of right now, I don't think there is a more poignant emotionally deep. important moment to me in all of star wars Maybe that's a better question yeah. well, what's the deepest moment of star yeah. wars to you that sounds like that's what it is yeah for you. that was a good one i appreciated that that was a good one yeah man uh do you have i know you talked about it for a minute there but it okay. kind of went off topic do you have an answer my answer and i think i gave this in one other podcast but if i've really understood and come after a year of this understanding podcasts of like Oh yeah, remember in episode seven you guys talked about this? No, I have no idea what we talked about. I I I have a vague recollection of like, I think I've said this in front of a microphone. Maybe. But it's also possible we've just said it to each other. Not it, on it's, mic, so when you get comfortable with podcasting, it literally is just having conversations with it like a rundown, and that's the yeah. only difference. And so I yeah, I think I talked about this before, but for me it will I, I don't I don't think I'll ever 
I don't think I will change 10 years from now, but it's because it hit me at a time in my life where it was, I had just graduated from high school. I was looking to go to college. I sat down and I saw, saw, um, episode two and there's the part after Anakin is pouting in Luke's room, uh, after killing all the Tuscan Raiders and Padme is like, what's wrong? And he is just going, you don't understand what I've done. She's like, well, just tell me. He's like, no, you don't understand. I didn't do something kind of okay or sort of bad. I murdered an entire town. The men, the women, the children, the dogs. I killed all of them. And she's like, what, what happens? Like, they killed my mom. It's like, well, you, you, you got to understand. Like, I know why you did that. And I'm not saying, I'm, I'm certainly not saying it's right. But in this exact moment, I'm going, you lost control. And that's okay. And then he just throws the thing back, probably dents the Lars Landspeeder and just mm-hmm. is like yelling in this just angry tone that like spoke to my soul at that moment as a person who was having a really difficult time dealing with himself at the time and figuring out who I was going to be. Yeah. Where he goes like, I'm not the Jedi I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And as a guy who did not get into his first elective college, had a real hard time with college starting out and barely scraped out of college. And when he got out of college, went to go his, do his profession and realized his profession is not the path for him. That scene is always echoed to me of like, when I was younger and they're like, oh, you're a gifted kid. You're so smart. You're doing this. You're creative. You're telling me all these building me up stuff. I felt like Anakin of like the, you're telling me I'm the chosen one. Well, I don't feel like the chosen one. I feel like an idiot monster right now. And I don't relate at any level to all these things that other people see in me. Um, and I would argue that's maybe actually when I first realized that I, I had, I had depression. So <laughs> the point of the matter is that scene is bleak, deeply connected to me. And, and uh, I, I remember the, the first time and like the first like three times I watched that movie, just getting just soaked cheeks going like, I, I feel that guy. I know yep. where that guy yep. is. And some other people, people are like, Oh, episode two is cheesy. I'm like, I don't care. It's got my favorite character of course on it. And in that moment is the star Wars doesn't get better than that to me, as far as pathos and feeling what that character, no is matter feeling. how you personally feel about something in star Wars, no matter what part is your favorite or the part you hold the most dear, yeah. Someone else holds every single part of these films, of yes. these things. There is someone for each and every single moment in a film or every character, or every planet or every vehicle where that is someone's favorite. It's yeah, and that's the that's why this universe is so big. Absolutely. Okay, great one, Mac. Uh we'll see here. My ninth might not be quite as long. In fact, it might only be a one-word answer. Oh, okay. Do you like bringing Legends characters back into canon? Uh, blanket. Yes. Yes. Um, the slight expounding on that is when appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean by that is like Thrawn bringing him back was great and it's very useful because they recontextualized him. He says he's going to actually be in a different part Do of you the li- timeline. That's my question. Do you like that? Changing yeah, because story, but the character of yeah. Thrawn is immaculate and amazing. And to be honest, I think it's even better now because... Timothy's on and a whole bunch of creatives got to crack it like, okay, well, you know, it's been 20 years since, since that book came out. We know what the fandom has responded to yes. in Thrawn. And it's that Sherlock Holmesian, like he's such a brilliant tactician that sees every situation different than yes. anybody else. That's what's cool about him. It's not that he has a little lizard friend. It's not that he has a ship called the Chimera. Like that's not the parts that are are yeah. the best of yes. him. And so I think that's great. 
So like, that's awesome. At the same time, there's other characters that like, there's not going to be an appropriate way to ever bring that character back. The the twins, Jason and Jaina, there's not a way to do that. You want to tell me a great Star Wars story about twins that in the High Republic that's based on those characters, like the story of Jason and Jaina who are not Solo's kids yeah. and have a similar dichotomy. Yeah. You could do that. Yeah. I just I just think that some fans yeah. can't do that. And I go, and a lot of times it's going to make more sense to just make a new whole cloth yeah. character, even yeah. if you're cribbing from yeah. things you loved from legends yeah adding I, I mean i agree to the letter of everything you said absolutely right uh adding someone like thrawn and putting him in a different place in the universe and also bringing him into media you know a yeah. screen media is great right yeah but then it would be very odd to bring someone like mara jade in and have her not be eventually married to luke Right. right. Well, see, Mara Jade is a thing that, like, if you want to bring Mara Jade in, okay, the way I would bring her in is I would focus on the parts of her character that aren't needing that. Yeah. So, great. It's negative um, 10 BBY, and she's an emperor's hand. She's a 20-something going around doing the emperor's dirty work, yeah. and she eventually realizes maybe she shouldn't before whatever. Yeah. The problem is you'll never get to the wife, but you'll get the first, like, third of Mara Jade's yeah. arc in the Legends. But a lot of people are like, but if she's not going to marry Luke, then it's not worth it. I'm like, then you got to take the same thing as Thrawn. Thrawn will not lead the remnants of the Empire against the Republic. That can't happen the second we moved him around in the timeline. Yeah. And to me, I go, I'm fine with that. To me, it makes it a cleaner break, too, between Legend and the canon, which I like. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I want more Legend stuff. We've obviously had more than Thrawn. That's just the easiest example. And the Mandalorian single-handedly have done so many tips of yep. the cap to allowing things from legend to be allowed in the universe again. I think right now, personally, as much as I love a lot of stuff in legends, I'm more interested in seeing things from animated come into live action. Yes. Than I am from legends in the canon. I can understand that, but I want both. Okay, Mac, your 10th and final question, please. All right. So we already talked about the deepest moment of star Wars. So I'm going to go to something. Uh, I want to keep things equally, equally deep. Sure. Please. What scene would you cut from the original trilogy? You are in a situation, the divine editor of the universe. And I have universe, the whole trilogy to choose from. The divine editor has come to you and says, you must exercise one scene from Star Wars. New Hope, Empire, Return of the Jedi, one of them. And that scene will be forgotten from time. Right. It and is I erased from existence. I can't like take a cop out and say like the scene that was added in an empire that shows vader going from cloud city to his destroyer i mean if you want to be a wuss sure okay but i gotta pick something. no no no. i, I take that back original releases okay. i'll make it even harder for you because you can't add filler that we added later it has to be something and it can't be just part of a scene it's got to be an entire it's got to be a scene okay give me a second here so if you do like you have one what do you have one uh y yeah do you want to vamp for a second and tell it why? No, because it won't take a second. Okay, hold on then. All right. Because to me, what, what scene would you cut? I already answered it during this session. So what you do is the Empire rolls up, the teddy bears do something, and the Empire goes and chases them. And we don't have an entire war scene. We just have them being a distraction enough for them to get into the bunker and blow up the shield generator. Interesting. That's fair. But that's a recut. That's not... That's a that, that's a redo. No, that's no, that's literally no, that's literally 
the one Ewok throws the thing at their head. It cuts back to Luke talking to the Emperor, and then it cuts back to to it cuts back to Chewie on top of the ATSD going. It's like, yeah, you guys did it. Good job. Uh, okay, 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 okay. Like, okay. I'm not saying it mm-hmm. makes the movie work. There's a reason all the scenes are in the scenes, but I'm talking about like a scene that could cut, and if the world could allow it, I would let it fall on the cutting room floor. How about the Luke and Leia kiss in five? Oh, good call. So, like, so basically, just get rid of like get rid of out of the you. So the so he's in the back. So he's in the back to tank, tank. and then you just basically cut to. We don't have the scene where they're acknowledging he got healed. He's just back in action. Yeah. So would you cut to them in the hallway, Han and Leia? How do you have that hallway scene behind? Might be worth just you got to dump it. What are you talking about? No, that's so. I would see that as a separate scene. What I would see is Luke's in the back to tank. Yeah, and then it cuts to. Han and Leia coming into a hallway having that conversation. Okay. Okay. Because they can be thinking about Luke because they just, if we made that cut, they're just like, remember he's in the back to tank? He'll be okay. I think that's maybe the most practical answer that also benefits maybe the story as a whole. It makes it less awkward, doesn't it? It, It's not that I even see that moment as awkward because to me it's kind of like, oh, this is funny. Mark Hamill's kissing Carrie Fisher in 1979. And it's just kind of this fun moment on film to have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the in the grand scheme of things, I think that might be my answer. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Your last question. Are then. you ready? Um. No, it, but let's do it. It's sort of a two parter, but kind of not really. It's just more. Oh, so this I, is this is twenty and twenty one hidden I, together. Okay. I want to give you a chance to give two answers. Basically, is what it is. <laughs> okay. So, all the lightsaber fights, everything. So okay. anytime a character draws a lightsaber, okay, so it could be as simple as the duel on the bridge with the Magna Guards to just any cutting of the open a tauntaun, anything with a lightsaber. Okay. What is your favorite from a fight choreography standpoint? Okay. And what is your favorite from an emotional standpoint? Okay, good. Because you're right. Those will be two very, exactly. very different answers. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so um, I'll do the emotional one because that's easier. The emotional one of any time a lightsaber's been turned on is Rebels, Obi-Wan versus Maul. Yes. Um, Holy crap. My love of samurai films, I love the fact it's just two people go towards each other, one's dead. Yeah. There's no no drama. There's no sword fighting. There is a person's life has ended. That's all that happened here. And for me, it is so perfect to show these are two old men. They are at the heights of their power and they're old. There's no more adventures for them to have. This is the lane of the last blood. And when Obi-Wan does it, there is a certain level of like, I don't have any hatred for you, man. I feel like you know, I've let go of the energy. He's grown beyond that. Yeah. I've grown beyond Qui-Gon's yeah. death and what it meant to me to kill you. Yeah. And Maul's like, and I just did it because it's my nature. Like, yeah. I don't have anything really against you anymore in a real sense. Yeah. Like I, and, and now at the end, I just feel a little hollow. <laughs> like it's so good it so and good. perfectly played. And, and the team did such a great job of making you go, Oh, this is that thing from <laughs> tales issue nine or whatever of dark horse, where he comes out like a dervish from the sand and they fight and they, you're set up for a scene like that. And then they let it be the quiet, quick moment that it's supposed yes. to be. So that, to me, is the best beautiful lightsaber 
match. Good lord, yeah, what a great answer. Okay, and then well, what about wait, a, real, what, what's okay. your emotional? Okay, for me, I think it is specifically in episode six when Luke is just hacking away at Vader. So when mm-hmm. he's basically threatening Leia Bam. and Luke comes out yelling and is just like, so they're underneath the walkway and then he pushes them back. He takes off his hand and then he realizes and stops. Yeah. He realizes where he went wrong. Sure. And he realizes that in that moment he failed. He went to the dark side, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's permanent. And in that moment, he realizes that to a certain extent, Yoda and Obi-Wan were wrong. The dark side does not have to be a permanent curse if you truly are moving back to the light. If you're, if mm-hmm. you're doing something you truly believe in, and he is saying that, okay, I believe that my father can come back from this, mm-hmm. and by believing in it, it is able to happen. It's only able to happen because he believes in it. Mm-hmm. And so that moment, I think, is kind of like the combination of this lesson that Luke learns. It's Luke growing beyond Yoda and Obi-Wan in a certain sense, mm-hmm. right? And it's the redemption of Vader, which right. is great. And you have great city, like the best Sidious in all of the Sidious is this. With the Sidious, you know? yes. Uh, so that helps too. I, I yeah. Uh, but the Obi-Wan answer is great. And if that would have crossed my mind, maybe that would have been it because that is great. But I still think. It's a bigger that's moment. Tough. Uh, that's tough. Yeah, I, I agree that's with you. That's tough. I, it's and, such I mean, a big moment. I, I call that, I think I've mentioned it this part, Like I always think of that as when Luke's hitting Vader as if he's not holding a lightsaber, but a baseball bat. Yes, and exactly. And he's just bashing him. And it's hard to also argue the Obi-Wan Anakin fight Oh, it has it's, incredible emotional weight. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially when it gets to the end when, you know, you were my brother. Like, yeah. all that stuff is, yeah. is great. Uh, I would say from a choreography stance, like the most fun for me to watch uh, is uh, episode two uh, with Dooku. And I think that's because of three movements of it. One, I like we get to see what happens when someone's fighting asymmetrically with two sabers versus one. Yes. Um, I love the fact when we had got to a technological level where we could turn the lights off and the light of the lightsabers could illuminate enough themselves that we could film a fight with practical lightsabers yes uh and then and and the end and i mean i think at as time goes on i think we were shocked and amazed and absolutely entertained in 2003 and as time has gone on we've sort of diminished and made it feel more like a gimmick but like when yoda shows up to fight everyone in the theater lost their minds in in the most positive way possible um and from a fright fight choreography i think it's amazing that that uh uh what's his name nick king the is that right nick no i'm i'm messing up with his star wars name because his his star wars name is nick backwards um nick i'm not gonna remember the fight coordinator for the it's the fight coordinator for the for the prequels prequels? the actual man who designed all the fights yeah the fact that he and the animation team were able to figure out a way to make christopher lee fight nothing and Make it not only look convincing, but make it so that the animators could put Yoda in there doing all these flips and have all the times in the moments of the animation to get around the character and make these hits feel like they are solid and that they are a person fighting this, you know, terrifying ball of fury coming at them. And it was convincing, I think, is from a technical standpoint, very, very, very impressive. Absolutely. 
Uh, okay, so for me, um, I got to give a couple shout outs before I give my answer. Um, at the end of episode three, when Yoda and Obi-Wan are killing clones outside of the temple. Okay. Uh, I love the way Yoda moves there, jumping onto their chests and using his shorter lightsaber and stuff like that. I think that's great. Um, got to give a shout out once again to the Obi-Wan Anakin stuff, just because from a choreography point of what those two actors had to learn, mm-hmm. I think... I think making it so over the top was the way to go and still the correct direction, but it does feel a little soulless at times because there's so much movement and momentum. But at okay. the same time, you have to respect, A, like I said, the actors learning it and someone choreographing it, but also B, the point of it is to show how powerful they are and how equal they are. Mm. So that one is tough for me to judge. My favorite from a choreography standpoint is Ray and Kylo in The Last Jedi. In the gotcha. throne room against the Praetorian Guards. Gotcha. I mean, that is just... It's beautiful to watch. You can watch it a bunch of times and get different things out of it. Um, and what I like about it is it's a fight for a fight's sake, but it's sandwiched between two incredibly powerful emotional moments. Right? Whereas when you compare that to like the lightsaber duel on the Death Star, for example, right? There's an emotional moment at the end... But the fight at the be- during and before, there's really not a lot to it. And the emotional moment that happens isn't really between our two characters fighting. It's between our one character right. and himself. So while it is good in, in some ways, and there is some choreography I like. Like at the very end when Ray is losing steam and he's winning, there is some really great stuff there. But the way they both fight, the yeah. way they fight together, like at the very beginning of that fight... Ben leans forward and she leans back on him to like balance on him to block a blow. It's just like that kind of that stuff tandem. is just, yeah, it's beautiful the way it starts out in that slow motion and then pulls back um, from a legitimate, just watching it happen standpoint. That's my favorite. Brilliant. Wow. That was great. great. A show. Let's Remember go. When we were worried about it being 20 minutes. Uh, yeah. I tell you what, Let's go wrap this. Let's do it. boy we bring another episode not another episode we bring the first year of star wars all in to a close here i can't believe it it's insane i can't believe it you know mac i just wanted to pull up and we'll, we'll play one last little game together you and i right now in, in the, to close okay this let out, me put okay? one little appendix oh, thing oh, here real quick. what do you what do you have nick gilliard is who i wanted to say in the last oh, segment Oh, okay uh, he was uh he was the stunt coordinator and fight choreographer for the prequels and his uh, character name is Sin Darlig, which is his name backwards. He's at the Jedi Temple fight. He's also, he's actually in the animated series as well. And Very he's like cool. the lightsaber trainer for the Jedi Order. Yeah. 
Very cool. I like it. I didn't yeah. know that. Awesome. All right. Now that that footnote's okay. over, what last game so do you have for us? At the very beginning of the show, I mentioned that we're about a year, we're a year in. We're celebrating that. We've had about 5,000 total plays. You know, we've been listened to all over the world. And I basically want to end this by asking you, what do you think is our second most popular country behind our home country, the United States? Oh, geez. Uh, and I know you don't look at this. That's why I know you don't Yeah, know. yeah. I don't look at the statistics. Don't, never tell me the odds. Yeah. I like to look at them after I've already... And I, and I will just tell you, 87% of our listenership is in the United States. That makes sense. So the next biggest chunk... There are two countries that are at 3% each. I mean, my brain wants to say the UK just because they're the biggest stronghold of Star Wars fans outside the US. No. And then it's not Japan because that's the next biggest stronghold, but they don't they, they don't listen to English podcasts probably all that much. It is not Japan. And then my... In fact, apparently no one listens to us in Japan. Well, again, why would they? It's not natural language. We do have someone in Hong Kong. Or Ooh. I should point out someone who runs a VPN through one of these countries is also what it could be. There's a part of that. Yeah, I, I'm sure some of these. Maybe. Um, do you think we really have an Aruba listener? Yeah, I can see that. If you're a Aruba listener, please write in. <laughs> um, I don't know. Canada? Canada is one. Okay. The other one is Australia. Australia? Yeah. We got some Aussie fans. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, it is fun. Uh, how about what is our most listened to episode? Any idea? All right, I'm gonna be lazy. Is it the first episode? No, that is. Oh, number it's not. Two. That's that like is number two. I was gonna say because that's like usually every podcast is like I listened to your first episode, then I was either in or I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, the first episode is four plays behind our number one episode. Oh, which is actually that what? gap has been closing. Really? Mm-hmm. It used to be a bigger gap. Okay, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, episode nine. So that means oh episode yeah, episode nine. That's the had, one where we did the thing with the yeah. It had eight <laughs> weeks on it, so episode one had eight weeks on it, or no, I guess that's not technically true. Uh, had four weeks on it, but episode nine is our Sith spectacular oh. Count Dooku, Darth Bane, and Exarchun. You know what? I think long ago, I think you remember telling me that that one was keep kept climbing. Yeah. Our third best is our second special, our Rise of Skywalker special. That makes the one sense. where I was sick, tired, and really trashing on the guy who wrote the justice league and remember how that. stupid we yeah. we had such bigger plans for that night and they were stupid because yeah. we barely got through that yeah i, I was so god i remember there. editing that at like four in the morning because oh, i'm like it has to be out today it was awful yeah awful for so many reasons uh episode seven is our uh number fourth uh that is tavon's episode a new fan oh yeah uh and then uh number five uh new fan two when we had leon all right whether we will figure out some way i i we need guests so three out of five of those had guests yes yeah um what a fun year it's been oh my gosh what What a a journey fun year it's been we are just rolling in the box from podcasting uh just killing it just living our lavish life over here. Hey, I'm having fun and I'm looking forward to a lot more, a lot more. Yes. I'm looking to a lot more. I, 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 I think. Yeah, we. I think we can both say that we're going to do another year of this, right? I think that's a pretty safe bet. Do or do not, but I'm going to still say we're going to try and do another year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, really, so far we've had a lot of fun. I think as and, long uh, as a chunk of listeners keep showing up, yeah. and it doesn't have to be a big chunk. As long as yeah. people want to listen to this, I'm, yeah. I'm more than happy as to keep producing it. As long as people it. listen, we'll keep making. It. I don't think we're ever going to run out of things to talk about. No, I think Some they'll get more, more esoteric and weird. And I will say, um, those paying attention, there is a new rule, a thing that we talked about a year ago that now finally comes into play. 
Now that we've passed a year, mm-hmm. we can revisit topics yeah, we're gonna that we're done in the first year. again. Yeah, so, so I, I don't think it's literally a year from when the topic was stated, but I think the idea is like, wait 12 months-ish before yeah. we talk about something again yeah. again. So we may do an Order 66 Part 2. Yeah, because it's... Because uh, when I think of all the topics we've done, it's funny that was episode one. That is the one that I feel like there's the most new and, stuff to talk about, and that's the future's always in motion. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a different. It's a different world now that mm-hmm. the Saga is closed, mm-hmm. and Clone Wars has had its finale, mm-hmm. and the Mandalorian exists. There are things that got recontextualized, and then we'll hit them when they make sense. And those are all great stories we will probably tell in the future, maybe. And I hope that you are here with us because it has been a blast and it has been a just humbling to know that there is a chunk of people that want to hear me yak week after week about something I love. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm super, super happy to have the people who power this nonsense engine listening to us. So thank you for being a Star Wars fan. Thank you to everyone who has listened uh, thank you for continuing to uh, support this property like we do so they keep making more of it and uh, yeah uh, I'm having a ton of fun Mac, I think I'm ready to send this thing home All right. well my name's Mac and I'm Ross and until next Wednesday may the force be with you This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.